You think your world is safe. It is an illusion. A comforting lie told to protect you. Enjoy these final moments of peace. For I have returned to have my vengeance. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, folks? My Take Radio, episode 167 for Thursday, January 3rd, 2013. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. That's 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. You can also tune in to the chat room, which is live during our live shows as a matter of fact chat is open right now otherwise you can always hit up our fan page facebook.com forward slash my take radio all right so fresh off a uh self-imposed exile for two weeks and i gotta tell you it feels really good to be back i'm very excited to be doing radio for you guys again in a fresh brand new year a lot of cool stuff happened in 2012 for mtr and we're just gonna continue to take that train into 2013 and do bigger things. Um, Ben's going to be joining me tonight to talk about some MMA. We're going to talk a little bit about Dream. We're going to talk a little bit about UFC 155. There's a lot of gaming stuff and just a ton of stuff I got to discuss with regards to things that occurred while MTR was off the air. Of course, you know, I want to reference the Sandy situation. I also want to talk about a video game bonfire that's going to be happening. And I want to discuss that because that, it's really just crazy what's going on. And it's it's frustrating for me only because gaming is has reacted in such a very strange way to towards this tragedy. Everybody is handling it a little differently. And I promised myself I wouldn't discuss it until I came back on air. So I'm going to go into that a little bit and um, just talk about what happened over the last two weeks with you guys. And we're going to try and have a kick-ass show. I'm a little rusty. I had some sinus problems over the last two weeks, so my voice may come and go. Luckily, I got a big-ass tub of water, so if I have to take a quick commercial break and um, (laughs) run to take a leak, I apologize. But I figured, you know, honesty is the best policy. Anyway, let's get into housekeeping for this week, of course. As I mentioned at the start of the show, our Facebook fan page, we're 
We we got a lot of new fans over the last couple of days. We're doing a lot of really cool things. Obviously, a lot of people really love all the cosplay stuff we share. We try and keep the page as uh, you know diverse as possible between videos, cosplay, different conversation, uh, things of that nature, just to keep the page live. And it's always a combination of myself or Andrea and Slick that are handling things behind the scenes. So, you know, it, any one of us can be reached. You can also message us via the fan page as well. If you're listening to the show via Mixler, you can also listen to it via the Mixler tab on the Facebook fan page. That way you can hang out on Facebook. Keep yourself there because so many of you just never want to leave. Also, you can always dial into the call-in number, not press option one, and you can listen to the show like that. One of the things I did during my time off was just kind of weed through what's been working, what hasn't been working for the show. So you're going to see some changes across the board on a couple of different things. There's actually been some equipment changes. Um, I actually retired my iPad only because I wanted to buy an iPad mini, which ironically enough, I actually sold my iPad, my iPad two for practically what I paid for it. So I'm going to be picking up an iPad mini, which is going to be used primarily um, just again, supplemental to the show. And also when we're doing, event photography and stuff and we want to dump pictures into the ipad to show people that's going to be something we're going to be doing uh going forward uh, as a matter of fact hopefully if schedule permits i'll be going to mash fest which is a, a fighting game event that they do in in manhattan uh sponsored by one of the guys from midtown comics and afterglow so hopefully i'll be able to go there on the 7th and also the mash fest and blogger meetup on the 21st so i'll be hopefully testing out some of that stuff when we cover those events. Also, we got CES going on. My goal for next year is to make sure that MTR is at CES. That's on my uh, to-do list for 2014 this year uh, between registration and just figuring the ins and outs to get everything done. There just wasn't enough time. So next year, CES, hopefully we'll get that squared away. And a couple of other things. We may be doing PAX East this year. We'll see how that goes. But these are some of the things we got planned in the new year as usual mtr you can hear it on stitcher we still got a great working relationship with stitcher a lot of you guys are listening to the show via the stitcher app and we appreciate it Uh, we closed out the year with some amazing numbers some of which i shared on our fan page and i've shared throughout the last few weeks that i've been in exile so again very happy to see so many of you guys listening to the show using all the different outlets to access the show and of course the site is always was updated throughout the holidays with different things uh, slick of course put up some movie reviews he's got some game reviews coming up i got some stuff for the youtube channel that i'm finalizing to put up this week so you're going to see a ton of new stuff for the new year regarding our merch i kind of put the merch thing on hold for a few reasons obviously just trying to get the right the right amount of stuff settled with just making people able to invest in the show and, and with the merch was something that was my motivator for 2012. And as the year went on and I just kind of gauged people's reactions on how we were going to do things, it was very split and I didn't want to put something out that wasn't going to guarantee um, that everybody was going to pick it up. So the merch thing is still happening, but it's not the focus of the year thus far. So I figured I'd give you guys some info regarding that. We're going to be recording a brand new MTR behind the mic within the next week or so. And also a couple of episodes of beyond the mic will also be recorded for 2013. You guys will know the guests within the next few days once things are finalized. So 
be on the lookout for that. All right, so like I said, took off most of December and a couple of things happened during that time. One of the crazy things, of course, Christmas. And when we closed out the show last week, uh, the last show, I should say, one of the things I talked about was just my opinions on the holiday. And I actually did a guest spot yesterday with Uriah from the show radio, which I'm going to share on the site once it's available. And he asked me about that. And it was just that Christmas is, has lost its meaning because you grow up, especially when you don't have kids. I mean, my sisters are basically my kids, but still, I mean, just don't have kids of your own. The The message is lost. You know, you're 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 worried about rushing through Thanksgiving dinner to get out and buy a $200 television that's made by a, a company that probably outsources half of their labor to Somalia or, or some type of shit like that. So it, it's one of those things that the holidays were just very, very low key for me. I really didn't ask for a lot of stuff. I didn't really want a lot of stuff. Um, I got a couple of cool things, you know, some, some Blu-rays and stuff. Uh, the missus got me the, the galaxy note, which is a pretty kick-ass phone, especially for all the stuff we do with the show. It's a, an amazing piece of technology and I'll be doing some stuff for the YouTube channel with the phone. So I figured I would share that with you guys. And, it was just a, a period of, of working behind the scenes with improving the show and stuff like that. And of course, just keeping myself busy. But I will tell you this, and it's something that I noticed over the the last two weeks. And it's the, we were talking about audience engagement uh, just with uh, some of my peers from the IAIB and a couple of other places. And one of the things that everybody says is that they really enjoy how the fans interact with the fan page, but there's always the question of why they don't interact the same with the site. Um, we're going to work on ways to remedy that in the coming weeks. And it's something that you'll be seeing. Hopefully it works. If it doesn't, whatever shit happens. But other than that, pretty low key, a lot of rest, a lot of relaxation. And that's it. No, no raging lunatic monologue for this week. I kept myself out of trouble and that's pretty much it. All right. Tonight's topics, UFC 155, glory, video game bonfire, uh, the NRA, box office tied, box office numbers. We got movie casting news. Um, and, of course, your gaming news, which, considering how quiet things have been for the holidays, things are starting to pick up steam going towards CES and even E3. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But let me not beat this shit up anymore, and let's get into what we're going to talk about first, and that is MMA, and Ben is going to be joining us, so let me bring him on. What's going on, Ben? Welcome back. What's up, man? You have a good uh, New Year's? Yes, sir. Everything was good. I didn't kill anyone. I stayed out of trouble. It was it was all good. I <laughs> uh, watched a lot of fights. We watched a lot of violence, which you and I both know, and um, pretty low-key. So, of course, we closed out 2012 with UFC 155, which for, for the amount of promotion going into it, I kind of felt that the UFC wasn't going as hard as they should have considering the guys involved on this card. I think it was partially, you know, injury bug and just trying to trying to market it the right way. And it's kind of hard to market it with two guys that really don't have genuine animosity towards each other. I think that was definitely a factor that hindered that. But the ca the caliber of the fights on the card 
were were ridiculous from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, I believe every single fight on this card had been, or the main card at least, had been changed. So they kind of um, were stuck with that, and they couldn't really promote it the way they wanted to. Because I know for a fact that most, I know at least the last three fights were changed, or the last, except for the main event, every other fight was, was different than what it originally was. Well, one of the things I wanted to, to do, I wanted to, as usual, you know, just pluck out a couple of fights. I want to go into the undercard first. Um, Leonard Garcia, Max Holloway. Um, I really expected a, a better showing from Leonard Garcia, especially because there, you know, a lot of people were figuring that if he lost, he was going to get cut. We obviously know that was not the case. But the fight was actually very enjoyable. It, you know, Holloway took it via split decision, but Garcia looked looked pretty good. I think that he got the better of two out of three rounds. I think that the judging on some of those fights was a little suspect. Um, I can see why people thought he won rounds. I, I personally thought Holloway won at least. I think he lost the second round. I, I gave Garcia the second round, but the first and third round I gave to Holloway. Even when Holloway was tired, he was sticking and moving. Uh, Garcia was doing his Garcia thing, which is a lot of windmilling. But, uh, you know, um, I'm surprised that they're not cutting Garcia, not because I don't enjoy watching him fight. It's just the fact that this dude has lost four straight fights now. And technically, if you go back and look at some of those fights, he quote-unquote won. He actually probably has lost 10 straight. Oh, yeah, there's always that, you know, the suspect judging from some of his previous victories. Yeah, he's probably lost, I think, about 10 straight fights. But, you know, um, he he did okay. I'm surprised he's not getting cut, but Max Holloway showed a lot. I mean, for him to take that on short notice, it was yep. obvious that taking it on short notice was starting to affect him because he got tired in the last round. But uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a pretty good fight. Um, uh, Max Holloway showed some very good boxing, even when he got tired. It was a lot of good sticking and moving. Um, it, was, it was a good fight. Garcia tried to channel his inner rampage to get out of that triangle choke in the third. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that uh. That was actually, uh, it had a good moment. I mean, uh, it looked like uh, Holloway was trying to capoeira kick in the last couple seconds uh, when he was obviously, like, exhausted. He tried to capoeira kick. So it was, it was good. It was a good fight from the beginning to end. I was, I was happy to see Todd Duffy come in there and just detonate napalm on someone's face like we all know. I mean, you know, it, it, the, the way he took it to, to, to Phil DeFries, it was, it was just disgusting. It, it was disgusting and... and he he just dropped the hammer on that guy. It was it was violent and it was quick and it was brutal. Like I know a lot of people shit on Todd Duffy and clown Todd Duffy, me included. But in all actuality, Todd Duffy has dominated all but thirty seconds of his MMA career. Right when Alistair Overeem knocked him out and when he was beating the hell out of Mike Russo, he beat the shit out of Mike Russo and then got caught. He dominated about thirty seconds, everything but thirty seconds of his MMA career. Um, he did what he was supposed to do to Philip full of fries. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> Philip Fries is not a great fighter. He, he's, he's really not a great fighter. Uh, he's really just a bad guy. So, you know, Todd Duffy did what he was supposed to do. I've always um, felt... He came in and hit him with... Go ahead. All right. He came in and did what he was supposed to do. It was violent and it was fun. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I've always felt that Todd Duffy was everything that Brock Lesnar should have been had they taken their time with him. I'd say that he's a slightly more athletic. Oh yeah, of like, course. I mean, I think he's a younger, far, far, far better striker than uh, Brock Lesnar could ever hope to be. Oh well, Todd Duffy but, doesn't uh, mind getting hit either. 
yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I find Todd Duffy more of a, in the of the the same lineage of like super athletic heavyweights like Kane and JDS and Allison. Like he's he's part of that group more than he is the super giant monster heavyweights like uh, Brock Lesnar. Because Todd Duffy doesn't cut weight. Like Todd, Todd Duffy walks around about two forty. He just looks like he's made out of bricks. But you know, uh. He, he's he's good. Um, I'm 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 I want to see what he ends up doing in the UFC. I hope that he doesn't fizzle out and do something stupid again or or get himself cut again. Uh, I want to see what he ends up doing in the UFC. If you had to give him, if you had to book his next fight, who would you give him? Uh, either Pat Barry maybe, or maybe um, who else in the heavyweight division winning fight? Um, maybe Pat Barry, maybe like a Mark Hunt if he beats uh. Uh, I'd give him Barry or Mitrion. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I give him like if Mitrion. Mitrion got to win a fight, but yeah, I give, I give him Barry and Mitrion. Yeah, like somebody he's gonna go in there and just just sling leather with because that's what he got his best. I mean, I would have give I I, I would have given him a fight with Big Country, but you know, Todd Duffy has gotten his his, his chin checked, so you know it it can't happen. Yeah. It can't happen. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. But, you know, I mean, eh, big country is a whole different thing altogether. Somebody who should definitely be cutting the 205, he's just lazy. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. I don't think they'll do it right away, but I wouldn't mind seeing that fight just to see how it goes. Because I, I think uh, Todd Duffy could probably do exactly what JDS did to the big country. Oh yeah, there'd be a lot of violence. Well, two two guys on this card fought that they always have so many people backing them and not so many not I don't even want to say fanboys, but guys that they just have tremendous expectations coming in and, and I just felt that they I don't know if they fizzled out because of the way the UFC's booking them, but one of those guys is Michael Johnson. Because, you know, Michael Johnson Came out of the Ultimate Fighter, super athletic. Everybody was comparing him to Rashad and all the, you, you know, all the all the typical analyst bullshit. And in that fight, you know, Miles Jury kind of kind of took it to him. <laughs> yeah, Miles Jury did really well in that fight. I actually expected Michael Johnson to be able to beat Miles Jury. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but you know, um, you know, Miles Jury did what he was supposed to do. He took him down. He uh, he beat him up on top. Michael Jackson isn't a bad fighter. I mean, he won, what, like three straight fights before this? So he's not a bad fighter. I, I personally think he should probably be at 145. He, he's a really small, lightweight. But, um, yeah, he just, he just got beat by a better grappler. Uh, I don't think it's a huge, huge setback for him. Um, he just needs to get back in the gym, you know, work on that wrestling defense. Because, I mean, in fights before this, he was able to stop takedowns. I don't know I don't know what the difference was between this fight and fights before this, but he just... Every time Miles Jury seemed to want to take him down, he could take him down. Well, another guy that was in that same camp that you know we've talked about at length is is good old Melvin Gallard. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like it's like, dude, what the um, hell happened in that fight? Not not to not to say Jamie Varner's a scrub because he's not, but it's like, dude, really? <laughs> it, I mean, it wasn't a bad fight or anything like that, but. Um, Melvin just got out of wrestle. I don't think Melvin should be cut or eating nonsense like that that people are saying. But, you know, Melvin Gillard is what Melvin Gillard is going to be. Uh, he's going to beat a lot of dudes because he can hit you harder than probably any other lightweight. But he's also going to lose a lot because Melvin Gillard tends to do completely dumb things in fights. I mean, <laughs> that's just 
just what he does. Dude, that but, judging you know, was crazy. The judging for that was crazy too, because you know one one judge gave Gallard like yeah. all three rounds. I'm like, yo, on what planet? Like I could see giving him maybe the first round, maybe, maybe but giving him all three rounds. I was like, what? What? What did he do to win the <laughs> two rounds? Like, I mean, it wasn't like he was out there getting blown out or nothing like that, but he he wasn't winning the rounds. It, it was some of the judging on this card. It was uh, suspect as hell. I. I yeah, some of the judging on this card was ridiculous. I will say this: I was I was impressed with Eric Pere- with Eric Perez coming out there, luchador mass, just putting it on the dude, putting it on on, on Byron yeah. Bloodworth. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> the only problem I have with that is it's Byron Bloodworth, and that's the closest thing you get to like a squash match in the UFC. <laughs> like they knew what they were doing. Byron Bloodworth don't deserve to be in there with Eric. Like Eric Perez is a good fighter. And everything like that, but Brian Bloodworth made him look really, 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 really super good. Right, and I see what you're saying. What? Yeah, like what? Not that he's not, you know, not that he's going to get blown out by you know other fighters or nothing like that. But I, I just don't think he's not going to run through dudes like that all the time. No, and sir. I think it's kind of full gold. Like, and they knew what they were doing. You have Kane as your main event. You know, throw another Mexican dude on here. Bam! Let's get some Mexicans all excited. Yeah, let them let them wear the mucha lucha exactly mask. Yeah, they knew they were selling those too. Like they knew exactly what they were trying to do. Yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Of course, you know Pickett and Wineland was was all right. The 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 Brunson Lieben fight surprised me. You know Brunson came in on short notice, took that fight. He look, he looked he looked solid across the board. Nice nice pickup from from Strikeforce. You know. Yeah, I mean, they, a bunch of these strike force dudes are coming in the UFC. Um, it did not shock me in the slightest that he beat Chris Lieben. Chris Lieben uh, hits hard. He has that whole zombie thing he does where he gets hit really hard and uh, hits you back. But the, the thing with Chris Lieben is he's never been a great wrestler, and he's been a, a year away from the UFC. He's broke, and he has a drug abuse problem. Like, he he's put a lot of extra damage onto his body right uh you could see in that fight like he was tired really quickly yep so i I just i don't i just don't i don't know how much longer chris leaving going to be fighting professionally and that's not a particularly good thing because i don't know what he's going to do without it but uh you know it's just chris leaving is just not a ufc caliber fighter anymore yeah it was it was it it was i i like leaving leaving's an aggressive guy but you can kind of see the the separation between a guy that's been in the gym and, and, and in training camp and a guy who had a layoff and and then trained. It, it's it's a different type of mentality. Plus, you know, the substance abuse problem. You're, you, even even though you're clean and, and and you're moving forward, that takes a little bit more time than just a year, you know? Exactly. So, I mean, and the crazy thing about Derek Brunson is he took that fight on like four days' notice. Yep. <laughs> on four days' notice. He looked good, man. He looked good enough. In that first round, he looked he looked solid in the second, but but Lieben kind of caught his caught his stride in the second. But Lieben by that third round, I was like, oh man, come on. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy for these strike force dudes that are getting to come over. You know, Tyron Woodley's got going to fight Jay Haran. Nah, we're going to talk about that. Stop. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> but yeah, I'm happy for these strike force dudes that are coming 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 to the UFC. I'm happy for these guys. Dude, what happened to Tim Bocek, man? Uh, Costa Filippo came in there and uh, put it on him. 
his corner should have doing the <laughs> towel. Tim Boach, I think, couldn't see. He couldn't see because he got poked in the eye inadvertently. He also got headbutted inadvertently. And he had a broken rib and a broken hand. Call the fight. Like, that's, that's <laughs> one thing, uh, uh, one little problem I have with MMA. And, and it doesn't happen a lot that dudes are, like, just out there. Dying. <laughs> dead. Yeah, but, like, dude, like, there's nothing he's going to do. Because, like, even in, in the last round, it was completely obvious he couldn't do anything. Nope. Carter Phillips was, like, just getting out of takedowns and punching him in the head. Like, just, just at that point, like, just throw the towel in. Like, your fighter, yeah, your fighter might be upset. Yeah, he, he, he'll he probably, you know, he'll, he'll be upset, but he'll realize, like, dude, I can't see. I can't throw a, a mini punches. My rib is broken. Like, dude, just, just throw, the, throw the towel in. Like, it's not, it's not worth taking time off his career, which another fight in this card that we'll talk about also might have taken some years off somebody else's career. So, you know, just just at that point, you might as well just go ahead and throw it out because he's not going to be able to do anything. Yeah, well, UFC 155 was Miller time, dude. Jim Miller obliterated Joe Lazan. Joe Lazan, was, Joe Lazan donated blood to the mat in that fight. I was like, oh, my God, yeah. dude. Dude was leaking like a faucet. Dude, that fight was awesome. That that fight, Jim Miller is one of the most fun. And I, I don't understand. And I've on short notice. Yeah, like I've heard people say Jim Miller is boring. I'm like, do you watch Jim Miller fights? That's what I'm he saying. He goes out there and goes to war. Like he might not knock a lot of dudes out, but he goes out there and just goes to war. He was putting the work to um, Joe Lozon. And, he, and Joe Lozon, to his credit, didn't never gave up. He, nope. He had that... Uh, in the third round, he, he tried for that sliding heel hook, Rio Chonin style, which was incredibly cool. Uh, I mean, that was just a great fight. I mean, Joe Lozon now, I've seen his face since then, looks all sorts of fucked up. But it, it was a really, really good fight um, from beginning to end, and it deserved a fight at night. Well, the, the, thing, the thing about that fight that got me was Jim Miller came in short notice. They put on an entertaining fight. And, you know, Joe Lozon likes getting those, those bonuses. So when you're when you got a guy and that's what I like, man, when dudes are motivated that they're not just going in there to compete, but they know, man, I'm known for putting on exciting fights. So that's what I'm going to do. They go in there and, yeah, they they have game plans and they're ready to do what they got to do. But those guys went in there and as soon as as gloves were touched, it's like, yo, we're going to give these guys a, a show. Like, had that been a fight that was, you know, at the end of the first season of The Ultimate Fighter, we wouldn't be talking Griffin Bonner. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was legendary yeah. status, dude. Great push, Tom. It was overrated, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was a very, very good fight. It showed every part of MMA that you could see. There was grappling, there was wrestling, there was great striking. Jim Miller's elbows up against the cage were just nasty. It was, it was an extremely fun fight to watch. Well, we got to see um, some great from a great special effects team on display, courtesy of Cain Velasquez's limbs as he turned JDS into Sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> in five rounds, that was that was just a, yeah. that was a mugging from start to finish. Junior Dos Santos' face, like a week later, he just he just looks like 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 he was the victim of a of a hate crime. I <laughs> I was expecting Kane to win uh, because I think they're going to end up fighting four or five times. I was expecting Kane to win, but I was not expecting it to be that brutally one sided. Oh, it was nasty, start dude. To finish. Like, that was one, and, like, uh, I was watching it at a bar, 
and a lot of people were laughing, like, when Kane wasn't getting takedowns in the first round. Like, y'all obviously don't understand what this dude is trying to do. He's just trying to put that in his head, like, I'm coming to take you down. Like, it was just, it was, it was, it was violent. Like, he just, I mean, he slowed down as the fight went on, and Junior Dos Santos, by the time, Junior Dos Santos did catch a second win, kind of the fourth, maybe the fourth round. But by that time, he had been beaten so badly. But, man, that, that fight was just, the, the the punch he landed that really um, set the tone for it. That, that punch he landed in the first round, had Junior Santos backing up, set the tone for everything, and then he was just able to maul him for three, for five rounds. It was uh, it was it was it was it was violent. I mean, uh, Cain Velasquez has a way of when he's beating somebody, he beats the shit out of you. Like he don't just beat you, he destroys you. Yeah, well, we know um, we know he gave I, Brock Lesnar the the, the zipper. On his face, you know. <laughs> Brock Lesnar, uh, Antonio Silva, uh, Ben Roswell. Like when this dude is like mauling people, like it's he's mauling dudes. So I mean, I'm I'm interested to see what 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 comes uh what what the fight with him and Alistair looks like. But uh, that was a really really one sided beating, and it also shows a couple things. One, came uh, not came uh, JDS's uh, camp did, did their fighter no service by not training him for five rounds. He was tired after one round. Well, you know what? You you know what happened there. It's the fact that they that you got a guy who, again, detonation station on your face with his fists. So it's like, yo, you're gonna go out there and you're gonna slug him, and he's gonna go to sleep. Cain Velasquez probably watched that tape of him getting cracked in the back of the head every time and said, "Nah, we we not having that, dude." dude, Cain Velasquez was throwing kicks like 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 it was nobody's business. And I'm he like, keeping him, he, he did a really good job of keeping him from setting his feet. He was yep. never able to set his feet and throw anything. Yep. That's, you know, that's that's how he caught him the first time. And also, Cain Velasquez has a torn ACL, and you were you're not wrestling on a yep. torn ACL. You're not you're not it, wrestling on a torn not. ACL. Not happening. But like, I tell you, you what, you can you can fight, but you ain't you ain't wrestling. Oh no. <laughs> I, the, the 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 crazy thing is, you know, Alistair Alistair is supposed to be fighting Bigfoot, and. You know, mm-hmm. Bigfoot's talking a good game and whatever. I'm like, dude, you're you're not ready. You're not ready for an Overeem knee to the side of that massive Easter Island head of yours. Not happening. Bigfoot's about to get mauled. Like <laughs> Bigfoot is a good heavyweight, but he ain't. He talks a lot to not be that great. Like, <laughs> like you beat Travis Brown. Like, dude, you're not that great. Like, chill out. Bigfoot Silva is the big, big show of the UFC. <laughs> Yeah, dude, like, he, he talks a lot. He was talking about he wants a rematch with Kane, which is yeah, okay, hilarious. Stop. Like, because that fight was close. So, you know, I, I don't know. Um, he's not ready for Alistair. I'm really interested to see what Alistair does against Kane. I'm actually picking Kane in that fight for a number of reasons, mostly because if Alistair gets put in the same predicament that JDS has put in, Alistair has shown he'll quit. True. He'll just up and quit. So, I mean, to just be that big and just be out there quit. But, you know, I mean, I don't think that he'll be able to withstand that kind of pace like JDS was. Because JDS could have just curled up in a ball and just been like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want no more. Right. And no one would have looked at him. No one would have looked at him sideways. And I think that was what would happen if he fought Alistair Overeem. And, and Alistair Overeem didn't land a massive knee kicker punch 
Like, if he didn't land that, like, that's what's going to happen to Overeem. Because Overeem <coughs> is more susceptible to getting taken down than JBF is. Yeah, but the thing with Overeem also is that that a lot of guys forget. You know, Overeem has a solid ground game. You know, he's got a, a lot, a decent number of submissions under his belt. He's no slouch yeah, on no, the ground. People, the thing is, though, the thing is, it's like it's a lot of catch wrestling submissions. So it would be on top. Right. Like, he ain't taking. He ain't taking Kane down. Nah, he's not. He's not <laughs> he taking. He's not taking Kane down unless it's you know a quick trip takedown from the cage. You know, like something, like yeah, something that he sneaks in there. Kane probably pop it right back up. Right. Huh? It, it, it definitely can happen that way with Kane popping back up. Remember, it happened with Lesnar. You know. Yeah, Lesnar took him down. And he popped right back to it. Like he did. His his back never even hit the float the mat. Like as soon as the back hit the mat, he was popping back up. So, um, yeah. But that's the only thing I see see with Alistair. And the thing with these three dudes is because uh, DC has already started Danny Cormier. He's already said he's cutting weight to 205, which I'm interested to see if he can actually do. Well, um, I'm glad you bring him up because that was actually going to take us into the MMA news. So, Oh, but yeah, like just the fact that he moved to 205, I, I think they're going to end up fighting each other. The three of them are going to end up fighting each other multiple times. Well, you know what, you, you know, he won the Grand Prix and he signed the, you know, it was announced he signed that new contract with Zufa. So, you know, he's going to, he's saying he's going to fight Frank Mir um, at heavyweight. And the thing with with Cormier is, and and Dana White's kind of put it out there, like Cormier is within his rights to challenge for the belt. Mm -hmm. If you look at it from a number standpoint, it's like the dude won the Grand Prix tournament. There was no heavyweight champion for, for, for all intents and purposes. There it is. Like he like if if you had to look at it from a a contendership standpoint, yeah, you want you you want to give the fight to the Reem for money. But you got to give yeah. the the fight to Cormier next based on <clears throat> excuse me, based on merit. You know, the guy the the well, guy the guy went through the tournament. He fought top-level guys. It wasn't like he fought shit-headed, you know, tomato cans. Yeah, you can say what you want about yeah. Bigfoot. Or, 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 you know, Barnett, Barnett, I, I'm a Barnett mark, so whatever. But, you know, Cormier has a solid case to come in there and challenge. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. If Cormier wanted to challenge for the heavyweight title, he could and should be able to. I just don't think he he, he it wants to. Like, I, I, Cormier has been angling to fight at 205 for a while. Like, he's been angling to fight John Jones. He wanted to do the ultimate fighter against him, all this stuff. So, I think... And I'm really interested to see how that fight goes because I want to see how a dude that can wrestle that well does against John Jones. So I actually would prefer to see what if he can get down to 205 and what he would look like at 205. But, uh, you know, it it is um, – I don't know. He, he is he is within his right to challenge for it, but I would rather him fight at 205. I would rather just see him fight at 205. I think – I. Uh, you know the the cut to two hundred five definitely a lot of great potential matchups, but the reason I feel he he does you know he should challenge for it and whether he does or he doesn't you know his personal preference, but just the fact that every time he fought in strike force like yeah you know Daniel Cormier he's gonna challenge for that heavyweight belt and then it just fell apart like like we know strike force does and that was it it's like here's your tournament and then whatever but but not for nothing I mean. Uh, he, like Cormier, if he fights the winner of Silva and Reem after fighting Mir, that's a that's a money fight. Any either way you slice it, either it's a rematch with Silva for whatever reason he wins, 
or just an amazing fight with Alistair? Yeah, no, I mean, but see, the, the only problem is, like, and I, and I know how you hate it, like, uh, he's not fighting King. Like, th- that's the whole point. Like, oh, yeah, JDS of course, he's not, because that's his boy. Yeah, like, if JDS had won the title, then this be, this conversation would be moot. Mm-hmm. But, he, so, it's automatically, like, I'm going to 205. Like, we're not even, and, like, even on the in the post-fight, like, they both were like, Kane wasn't even trying to hear that. Like, when, when some reporter asked him, like, yeah, I'm not fighting DC. Like, he wasn't even trying to hear that. And you know how Kane is like a robot. Like, he was yeah. like, dude, I'm not fighting DC. Well, you know what's funny? Cor- if Cormier cuts down yeah. to 205, he's going to end up probably looking like Rashad looks. Because remember, Rashad came in at heavyweight. I don't think he'll lose that much. Like, see, I don't think he'll be that muscular, though. Like, because Rashad's kind of muscular. First of all, Rashad could cut to 185 if he really wanted to. He just chooses not to. Rashad is a small, like, heavyweight. Yep. Always has he, been. He will be small, like, heavyweight. Like, I think DC would still kind of look fat. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> That's fucked up. Like I still think he'll kind of just look like he'll look like a smaller fat guy. Like because <laughs> now he's just a really athletic fat guy, which makes it hilarious to see him not need to be out. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what it is. It, it, that jump to two hundred five is is going to be crazy, and it's funny because you know a lot the the MMA this week is very strike force heavy. Besides, of course, DC getting that contract. Uh, Bobby Green going in there to fight Jacob Volkman. That's gonna, you know, moving moving over from Strike Force. That's for the February second card. But you know, Bobby Green may come in there, and, and, and Christmas may end early because he's not a slouch. Either that or Jacob Volkman's gonna wrestle fuck him into oblivion. Yeah, that's what Jacob Volkman does. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see how that fight goes, just because Bobby Green is a good fighter. Um. He's also a fighter like Melvin Gallardo that does incredibly stupid shit sometimes. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you know, I, so I, I'd be interested to see how the fight goes. Well, the the crazy thing was, of course, with, with fight week, Dana White but, did his usual shtick, but he talked a lot about strike force, and, you know, he was asked about Gilbert Melendez, and he said, you know, Gil will probably come right in and get a title shot. You know, we'll see. And it's like, Which it's like, dude, it's not a question of we'll see. That's what the fuck needs to happen. Like yeah, stop, like stop playing, stop playing. Unless, unless you were getting Eddie Alvarez and able to have him fight, which uh, right. I don't know if you're going to talk about that, but that yeah, we are be happening. Yeah, oh, we're okay. we're going to talk that about may that. May or may not be happening, but uh, you know, unless you get Eddie Alvarez right this second, and you're going to put those two against each other right this second, there's no one else. Gilbert Melendez needs to be fighting. Gilbert Melendez has earned his right to fight for the lightweight champion, like more than any other strike force champion. He deserves the right to fight for that title. Agreed. So, I don't even want to. I want to. I don't want to hear that nonsense. Like he needs a fight. Fuck that. <laughs> this dude's been toiling away in strike force for years, fighting nobody. There's no fault of his own. Dude, starving, starving to fight, starving. That poor yeah, guy. Give this, this man some fights. Like he fought Josh Thompson like fifteen thousand times. Yeah. Well, give this man some real fights. Like. Well, you know it was funny too because. You know, in, in that same breath, Dana, you know, Dana got asked about, um, you know, what would, would he consider, uh, you know, the winner out of that Brad Pickett Wineland fight, a guy to get a shot against, you know, the interim champ, and you know, he was saying that it's possible. Do, do you think? Do you think that based on the way that fight went, would that those guy, one of you know, that they, they deserve a shot at at, at Barrow at that point? Um. 
yeah, I mean, one of the that one thirty five. There's no one else to give it to right now. Like, yep. Uh, you would either, you either give it to Wyman, um, or you give it to the winner of Ivan Minjabar, Uriah Favor. And personally, I'm tired of Uriah Favor getting title shots just to lose. So, like, um, that's those are the two options you give it to because Dominic Cruz's knee got reblown out, so he's not going to be back. So maybe 2014. Yep. So, so which I think he should be stripped of his title. I kind um, I kind of am totally. leaning towards that myself, just because it's like, all right, you know, it's not it's not your fault, dude. You're gonna be seriously, out. two years. Yeah, it's not his fault. Like I'm not trying right. to say that and like to, to try to be an asshole. But, but like, you can't hold up that for two years. Yeah, like you can't. Like he should get a he should get an immediate title shot as soon yep. as he's healthy. But his title, he should no longer be known as a Vanderlei champion just because it's two years, dude. Like, you know, the the division, it, it's moved on without him a little bit. You know, Michael McDonald's going to fight Hannibal Rao, I think, next month, I believe, or the month yeah, after. Yeah, I think it's next um, month. So, yeah, so that's going to be for the title. And then you give it the, the shot to Eddie Wilder because um, I don't want to see you out of favor fight for the title again. Well, well, the problem, so, the problem. If Ivan Menjivar wins, I want to see him play for a time. Well, yeah, I've, Ivan Menjivar is a beast, but you know what the problem is with Uriah Faber, and this is the crazy thing: Uriah Faber is another, you know, bankable dude. Especially if they go and they say, "Oh, we're going to fight in California again." You, you know how that goes. It's it, it, what, from from a from a record standpoint, we know who should be fighting, but from a money standpoint, you know that sometimes the money outweighs the the, the business. True. This this is true. I mean, look, I don't hate your eye favor or nothing like that. I just I just I'm tired of seeing him in title yeah. fights. Like that's what I mean. One fight and then be in a title fight. Like, dude, like give other people title shots. That's well, it. Well, you yeah. know what you know what's funny about that, especially now with the folding of Strike Force, and and it was funny because Dana White he spoke to to MMA Junkie, and I was I, I I'm glad that you wanted to come back on because I wanted to run what he said. Which was they asked about like the rumors that Zufa always planned to kill Strike Force, and you know you and I talked about this at length. And he goes, "I see a lot of this shit on the internet. People saying, oh, I knew this is exactly what we knew was going to happen.' They bought Strike Force to ver- to bury it." He goes, "Any of you guys who were around me at the time know that was absolutely not the plan. I was pumped about it and looking forward to getting into it." What do you think? Bullshit. I don't think their original intention was to kill it. Per se, um, I think their original intention was to take a whole lot of their talent, but I don't think their original intention was to kill it because it's on it's it's MMA that is going to pay you to be on a premium cable network. Like I, I think the U if the UFC had their way, they would have taken Gilbert Lindez, like all the fighters that really matter, taken them and brought them to the UFC, and then. Occasionally sent some fighters over and did some strike force fights, but it would have been, it wouldn't have ended up like it did. Like, I think Showtime kind of forced the UFC's hand in taking all these fighters and doing all the stuff they did because Showtime seemed to not want to work with the UFC to do certain things. Well, that was the thing, too. He said, I'm still not the guy in charge. I could keep you here for four and a half hours and you'd go crazy. You'd have some real good stuff. So I'm glad it's over. I mean, it, yeah, like, it, it was a recipe yeah. for failure, honestly. True, like it, it was obvious that he 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 
they wanted to do certain things. Showtime wanted some completely different things done, and it ended up ending poorly. Like that. That's basically that's basically what it was. Uh, I f- I feel a little bit sorry for the fighters, um, just because they got kind of fucked over for a year, or what is it, like two years. So um, I feel sorry for the fighters like Gilbert Melendez, all these dudes that were getting a whole bunch of fights and now are getting none for a long period of time. So I feel, I feel sorry for them, but you know, it's, it's a good thing that's ending because it's, it was no reason for it to go on. Like this last card, honestly, I could do it. I mean, I'm going to watch it cause it does have some good fights on there, but it's nothing that it's like shocking the world. Right. 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 Howard Safety, Nate Marco, like there's some decent fights on there, but um, they need to bring some of these fighters over here because you know I want to see Jacare. So I, I want to see Jacare in the UFC. I want to see Tim Kennedy, Lorenzo Larkin, all these dude, these good fighters in the UFC. And the best fighters should all be fighting under one umbrella. Well, you know it, it's crazy because when Dana White got asked about some of those guys, you know, for Nate Marquardt, you know, he he said, you know, Nate Marquardt's UFC return is likely, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we we may get to see that 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 super fight. But yeah, one no, they're bringing most of these dudes over. <laughs> yeah, but it, one of the things he said was he hasn't really got a chance to look over, you know, get a closer look at Luke Rockhold, which makes me which makes me wonder if what you were saying before is going to be that, like, yo, you don't really want to feed Luke Rockhold to Anderson Silva, do you? <laughs> like, <laughs> nah, yeah, Luke Rockhold is not fighting Anderson Silva. Like, <laughs> Luke Rockhold, they'll they'll put him up against like hell. They might even still do the Lorenz Larkin fight. Like Shit, they might why even not? like he'll probably get to the UFC and they still do the Lorenz Locker fight. They it's just being the UFC. But you're not feeding him to Anderson Silva right now. Like it that's not good for Luke Rockhold's career and it's not gonna do nothing for Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva just gets to hold two belts. <laughs> he gets to hold two yeah, belts like, that night. Two belts. Like he Yeah, that that's about it. Like you, you ruin some little young dude's career, <laughs> make him look stupid on that in front of everybody, and then Anderson Silva gets two belts. Like, don't do that to Luke Rockhold, like Get this man a couple fights. Hell, put him up against uh, Chris Wyman. Like, do, do that fight. But don't, don't, don't ruin him right away. Like, you need to give him that silver eventually, but don't ruin him right away. Well, this weekend, of course, you know, we got Invicta. Um, we got the 115-pound title. Uh, Beck Hyatt is stepping in uh, for Claudia Galeja, who, was, who had to bow out for an injury taken on uh, Carla Esparza, who, who's very solid. She trains with uh, Felice Herrig. So I think that's going to be a badass fight for the 115-pound belt. The the hundred fifteen pound belt and Evicta has a solid card. The one thing I that somebody brought to my attention is that it's going to be on i pay per view, so it's not going to be free. But still, it's eight bucks. Yeah, no, I mean, what the, they'll probably end up putting it all online again like they normally do. But, right. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the card. Evicta uh, puts on good cards, man. They put on these chicks want to fight, and uh, they put them on um, good good fights. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the Carla Esparza fight. I think I'm saying her name right. Yep. Probably not. But looking forward to her fight. I'm looking, there's, some, there's some really, really good fights on the squad. Um, one thing I want, I did want to ask you is, um, and, and, and it kind of brings it together, of course, you know, UFC 157, Ronda Rousey is the, is the, the, the main event on that card. And, you know, people are saying, oh, the tickets haven't really been selling out the way they should have. And, of course, everybody... They start getting all crazy, talking that shit. Do you think it? Do you think that's something that's gonna probably be looked at down the road in terms of of marketability for the women fighting, 
or is it just something where probably the the card hasn't picked up steam because the fights aren't that not saying that they aren't awesome because i mean robbie lawler's fighting on that card taking on josh koscheck you know that's gonna be a a, a a bloodbath so it's not like the card is shitty but do you think that the the lack of sellout has, is is gonna make people look at the women's division a little differently well, the UFC hasn't been selling out right away for a while now because of the large amount of injuries. Right. Uh, so they haven't been selling out like that for a while. Um, I don't think they're going to look at it negatively. Like I, I think the UFC is going to just look at it like they look at all their cards. They don't sell it out right away. Um, it is what it is. Um, I think once once the card like is actually you know going, like it won't be an issue. Um, Ronda Rousey is going to draw people in for the pay-per-view, and it's, I, I don't know how much for as far as ticket sales she's going to draw people in for it, but for, for the mainstream, there's going to be a lot of people, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people paying for it. Like, ESPN is probably going to cover her. Um, they're probably going to cover Liz Kamush. I mean, if if, he, if the UFC is smart, they're going to get ESPN to cover both of you six. So both of them have interesting stories. They're right. both, you know, interesting people. You, you know, get ESPN to do an E60 on both of them, or have them on Sports Center or First Take or, or one of the talking head shows. They have both chicks on there, and I think it will work out fine. Like people, people are overreacting because this is the first time women um, are, you know, in the UFC. They're overreacting, and they're making way too big of a deal out of something that is normal. Like, I would have liked to see a. No, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just saying tickets don't sell out right away. They haven't for a while. I would have liked to have seen a um, UFC primetime with them. With Rousey and Carmouche, I think I think that would have really, you know, fleshed it out, given given casual fans a deeper look into the women's division, and 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 kind of started laying that foundation. But you know, they do really great with those primetime specials, especially with guys that you're kind of on the fence about. Like a guy who I got a lot of respect for out of his primetime special was Josh Koscheck. You know, like just seeing his upbringing, getting an in, a, a deeper look into into how the guy came up. You, you get a different respect for them as an athlete. I think they're going to do a UFC primetime. I heard they're going to do a UFC primetime. Um, you know, um, it makes sense. I mean, I really think that I really, they're going – the UFC is going to put out all the stops. As this car gets closer, they're going to put out all the stops in order to make it sell well. Of course. Um, just because right now selling tickets is not doing great. Trust me, the UFC is going to be trying their hardest to make this – um, as big a success as they possibly can. Oh, you know, Ron, Ronda Rousey, Maxim cover, you know. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of shit like that. Like, just random shit like that. She's on the cover. She's on Oprah. Something, something, something crazy. Well, one of the things, of course, that's become customary for New Year's, of course, is Dream. And a lot of people are concerned about Dream not making it this year, which they surprised everybody. And then they worked with Glory. And they ended up splitting the broadcast in, in two, into two, the event into two separate broadcasts on CBS Sports. So they gave the MMA yeah. event one night and the um, kickboxing event another. But some of those fights, man, um, you know, Shinya Aoki getting a, a submission victory via punches on Antonio McKee. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, I, that was... <laughs> I don't know what that was. I, I watched it, I was like, what? What? <laughs> you know, he punched you that hard. But you know, I mean, there was some good fights on here. I mean, uh, Will Brooks. Uh, yep. The, 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 the first fight on there, Will Brooks versus uh, Kitaoka. Kitaoka. Yeah. Will Brooks is going to end up in the UFC. Yeah. That's a legit lightweight prospect right there. He is legit. Uh, 
the the Georgie Karakanian uh, Takaya fight was good. Um, Lemon Manouf. Oh, he was animal, inside, dude. Inside out. Dennis Dennis Kang. I, I thought mean, he died. That's all Melvin Manouf does. Is like Melvin Manouf is either going to knock you out or get knocked out. That's that's all he's going to do. Uh, it I, did not surprise me that Sakurai beat Phil Baroni. They both they both really spent forces in MMA, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, but uh, it, it one is a little bit more spent than the other. So, dude, Bibiano Fernandez. I, I saw that his victory in that in that fight, and I was just like, man, the UFC needs this dude. Yeah, he, he should he should be in the UFC. But should he decided be. To be a weirdo and decided I, I want to go fight in one FC. I mean, hell, I wouldn't want the UFC to get Kawajiri. Me personally, true. Kawajiri has been around forever, uh, and at one forty five, he's a little beast. Like, like if he's he's a really good boxer, he's called the crusher for a reason. You aren't getting up once he puts you down. Like you're just not getting up. Like this dude is. He's a beast. Like I, I'm, I would love to see Kawajiri in the UFC. I can, I can tell you, Marlouz Kunin is going to end up in the UFC, dude. Almost definitely, Marlouz Kunin. She's going to end up fighting Ronda Rousey, dude. But that fight, arm bar, but she's going to fight Ronda Rousey. The girl that she fought, man, I, I just felt like that fight was kind of suspect because she just that 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 girl just took a beating on the feet and, and got taken out. I mean, they they were like, oh, she got outclassed, but I'm like, no, she really just got sacrificed yeah I mean cause Miles Coonan once she got her down did some weird like triangle to arm bar to back to a triangle back to an arm bar like she like the hell are you doing like did, you can finish this any time like I don't know like this happens with women's fights sometimes sometimes women's fights turn into giant uh, one sided ass weapons it's just, it's just how it goes sometimes it's unfortunate but that's just how it goes sometimes the the Muay Thai fights on the glory side, man, they had some amazing cards. Uh, Semi Schilt just went in there. The guy's a legend for a reason. He fought, yep, you know, yep. multiple multiple fights throughout the night, and he just came in there fresh and took it to dudes. Him, uh, Gokan Saki, who I've always felt would be a great, would make a great MMA prospect if he makes the switch. Um, Remy Bojanski's another another beast. Daniel Gita, another beast. I was like, yo. The, the the guys that you know are gonna win are winning. I was the only fight that shocked me on the outcome was, was Karatanov mm-hmm. losing that unanimous decision. Yeah, I was expecting Karatanov to go pretty far in the tournament, but I mean these were good good kickboxing matches. I mean, uh I was expecting Peter Arts to go a little bit deeper too. Uh but uh yeah, these were these were good 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 kickboxing uh, matches. I'm I'm surprised Sammy Schultz still out here, you know, winning fights like this because Sammy Schultz has been around forever. Dude, I have an uh, old Pride game on the PS1 with him in it. <laughs> that doesn't shock me at all. Sammy nope. Schultz, how old is Sammy Schultz? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like the, he was in that. He was in an old um, MMA game I got on the PS1. He was on the Pride game that I got, I think, on the PS2 still. So. Dude, he's been in the game. Him, Peter Ertz, another dude. Just, just guys that they just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go in there for New Year's, get my head beat in. Maybe not. Sam oh, Shield's like 40 years old. <laughs> yeah, he's been around for, forever. But, uh, you know, I mean, they, these dudes, this is what they do. This is what they do. 
Uh, hopefully they don't end up like Gary Goodridge with the uh, brain damage. But you know, this is what these dudes do. Um, it, it was some, it was it was it was a good night of fights. Uh, I was surprised that it was called Dream just because I thought Dream was gone altogether, and I guess they got the rights to the name. But uh, but yeah, it was it was um, it was interesting to see the Dream slash Glory card, and hopefully all these dudes get paid on like yeah, yeah. The old Dream. Well, I was I, the only thing that yeah, that is true. Dude's waiting for paychecks. I was bummed out just that it wasn't in HD, and you know you gotta you gotta go into like the deeper uh, vortex of your of your DVR or your or your cable guide to find CBS Sports. But I was glad I got to see it. Um, talking about old guys, you know, Dan Severn announced his retirement, which I didn't even know Dan Severn was still going out there putting beatings on guys. And when I saw his record, I realized that. I've watched Dan Severn's career from the UFC to pro wrestling to MMA pretty much the entire duration of me growing up, which made me feel really fucking old. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, Dan Severn is, first of all, I don't even know who the sanction is due to fight. Wasn't he like, isn't he like 60? Dude, he has, he has a record of, of 101 and 19 and 7. He has 127 pro fights. That's ridiculous. <laughs> on, I don't even know how many levels. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Dude, from uh, 1997 people. to 2000, he went 21-0 and 3. That is insane. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Dan Severn is a legend in the sport. Uh, he's finally retiring, uh, which... From a Buckley's record, you probably should have retired a long time ago. But um, you know, he uh, he's a pioneer. I mean, he he was one of the first few uh, winners of the UFC tournament, uh, slamming Royce Gracie all around before he got triangle choke. First person, <clears throat> first person to get triangle choke. Um, you know, you know, pe- people need to look up Dan Severn, man. This is this is a legend. Well, you know what kills me? Yeah. It's like. People people jump on the on the on the hype train and and they're like oh this guy's the greatest of all time this guy's the greatest of all time and it's like when you have 127 pro fights and your victories are in triple digits, it, it, the, the 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 moniker of legend isn't even a question at that point. Yeah, I mean Dan Severn has been around. He is a legend. There's no there's no getting around it. There's no sugarcoating. That is a legend. If you if you out here with that many that that many fights, you're a legend. Like there's no there's nothing else you can say about. Him. Well, the, la- the the last two bits of news to close things out, of course, uh, T Wood making the jump to 156 against Jay Haran. And you know, before I get your thoughts on it, I just feel bad. Jay Haran just can never catch a break. He was supposed to fight I mean, Eric Silva. Eric Silva got injured. You know, Haran's coming off the loss to to Ellenberger, and it's like now you're gonna fight T Wood, who's who's a a psycho in there. I mean, I actually think Jay Haran could beat Tyrone Willie, but it does suck to be Jay Haran. Like, every time this dude gets a fight or anything, something happens. He's on the UFC 151 card. It gets canceled. Like, he's just, ugh. It, it sucks to be uh, Jay Haran sometimes. But, well, the, the <laughs> thing that's great. The... No, go ahead. No, he should, he probably should have <laughs> should have beat Ben Askren. It's, it's, 
crazy, man. <laughs> well, you know what's funny too? It's like you're fighting a guy who who was challenging for a title. You know, it's not that. That's what I mean. Like you're not getting not to say Eric Silva's a, a scrub because he's not. But what I'm saying is you're getting a competitive fighter. Now you're you're being almost fed into the lion's den because they're giving you a guy who challenged for a belt clearly and you know had a solid record going in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I mean, and he's zero and three. I, I personally think this is a little bit better fight for him than Eric Silva. Eric Silva is, I mean, depending on how Eric Silva has came back from what happened with uh, John Fitch, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a little bit better fight for Tom, uh, for 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 Jay Heron. I don't know if he'll win, but I think it's a little bit more uh, winnable fight. But um, yeah, I mean, Jay Heron, he he can't catch a break. Like, well, dude, he's zero and three. You know, you know what happens. Yeah, yeah. If he, <laughs> if he goes zero and three, I mean, and, I mean, his first loss, you know, that's to George St. Pierre back when George St. Pierre was knocking people out. But uh, that was a long time ago. But you know, Jairon is a good fighter. People, people, people who haven't seen Jairon fight except for his times in the UFC might think he's not a good fighter. But he's a really, really, really good fighter. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, the the last bit the last bit of MMA news to close things out, of course, Eddie Alvarez, um from what everybody's been saying, Bellator matched the UFC's offer, so he looks to be staying with Bellator, especially as they prepare Not to make Huh? Not necessarily. Uh I was reading up on that. Like basically what's gonna happen is it gonna go to court now. Oh god, and... really? Yeah, that's why Dana White was like, it's going to get ugly. Like, oh, it's going to go to court that. now. They're going to they're gonna be like, okay, so basically the way, the way they got Hector Lombard, the way they got Hector Lombard was the UFC offered him pay-per-view, a percentage of pay-per-views. If he's on a pay-per-view, like, he gets a certain percentage of money. Bellator can't match that because they don't do pay-per-views. That's basically what it's going to end up being. They're going to they're gonna end up going to court, and that's probably what's going to end up happening. And from, from everything I've heard from Eddie Alvarez, Seems like he'd rather be fighting the UFC anyway, right? So, I I hope he ends up in the UFC. Not not because Bellator is not good. Not not because no no no. I understand why you're wasting a talent in that tournament. Like that Bellator is great for like young and up and comers, but you you're Eddie Alvarez. What the hell are you doing in a tournament where you want to beat everybody? Yep, just to fight Michael Chandler again. Like it's not it's not necessary. So uh, I I agree. So hopefully this works out like Hector Lombard thing does, and he ends up in the UFC before the year's out. But this could get like really, really ugly, unfortunately. Well, well the other the other thing, and that's why I was I was going to say that is you also have the 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 shadow of Spike. You know, Spike is investing into MMA again, and yeah, Spike Spike is known to throw their money. I mean, as a wrestling fan, Spike invested money into TNA to help them bring in Sting. You know, Spike TV has no problem going and being like, all right, what is it going to take to bring this guy over? Because especially bringing in a new MMA promotion and giving them airtime and investing advertising and, and all that in there, you don't want to bring in a promotion whose whose main guys are being pilfered by the UFC, you know? Yeah, no, I understand. I, I just... That's the thing. Like that's why I said it's gonna get ugly because both these companies are willing to spend absorb. They're going to over. First of all, this is good for Eddie Alvarez. He's yeah, gonna, he's gonna get paid. Like he's gonna be really, really overpaid. 
But um, not not because he's not good. He's just going to end up making so much more money than he would have otherwise. But it's it's going to get ugly because if if it gets into where they got to match again, this is going to keep matching, and all Eddie Alvarez can do is just sit on the shelf until until this is over. Like there's nothing there's nothing that he he can do until they're done doing this little this pissing contest with money. <laughs> nope, it, it's going to be good, man. He's going to he's going to end up getting. Not to say that he wouldn't have got good money coming in on his own, but he's going to get serious money now. Because you know, you know how Dana White is. Sometimes it's about principle. He'll just be like, "Fuck it," you know, give him X. Yeah, like I'm 100 percent sure what's going to end up happening is he's going to end up getting like fucking um, pay-per-view dollars and all sorts of random. He's going to be endorsed by the UFC. Like he's going to get. He's going to end up in the UFC. I would be shocked if he doesn't end up in the UFC. Um, and they're going to pay him so much more than he actually is worth. Yeah, that is. <laughs> it, it, but but you know what the problem is, too? <clears throat> Excuse me. Dana White is just going to do it on principle because, you know, sometimes he just does shit to be an asshole. <laughs> He's going to be like, oh, what 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 oh, they tell God. you? You know, 100 grand? Pfft, all right, give him up 150. <laughs> yeah, that's. Basically, Eddie Alvarez is probably going to end up making like a million dollars a fight or something ridiculous like that by the time this shit is over, just as Bellator continues to to, to try to match the UFC. Like this is, that's just what's going to end up happening. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna be a trip, man. Um, but besides that, of course, Anderson Silva resigned, got himself a nice little ten fight deal because Anderson Silva he's at that at all. Anderson Anderson, <laughs> Anderson Silva is just like, oh, I'll fight Jesus, put Jesus in the octagon. <laughs> I don't give a shit. What? How many zeros are on that check? No problem. I I would not have signed up to ten. Like <laughs> you're not gonna fight ten fights. <laughs> yeah, but you but you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna give him. They're gonna let him. They're gonna let him pick his fights, dude. Like that's how it's gonna be. It's oh, gonna, they're gonna be like, all right, dude, you signed ten fights. Well, who do you want first? Well, you know, I think I should fight. That's how it's gonna be. It's gonna be like you know, give me Weidman so I could beat up the little young dude. You know, he's if Bisping gets past Belfort, you know it's gonna be him and Bisping, and we know how that shit's gonna end. Um, you know, and then yeah, exactly, and and then he'll just be like, when he gets into like having three or four fights left on his contract, that's when we're gonna see like the payout fights. You know, maybe we'll get that GSP super fight. Maybe he'll jump up to two hundred five for the Jones fight. Who knows? Maybe Nick Diaz will jump up and fight him at, at, at eighty five. You know. Like, I don't even think it would get that far. Like, I don't see Anderson Silva fighting past three more fights. Like, dude's almost 40. He's got a son who I believe is fighting MMA now or about to start fighting MMA. Um, yeah, at some point, he's going to be like, look, I don't feel like doing this no more. Like, it's going <laughs> like, to be interesting, dude. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. I, I would like to I don't think it's going to be 10 fights. I would be shocked if he gets 10 fights. Absolutely shocked. Uh, but if he gets them, he'll probably pick and choose for, like, the first few. Like, ah, give him a title shot. Oh, dude, he's only won twice. Ah, give it to him anyway. I know how this is going to end. And then, like I said, when they hit, like, the five-fight mark, the three-fight mark, that's where he's going to be like, all right, give me, give, me, give me the big dudes. Give me the payoff fights. And then he's just going to be like, I'm done. More or less. <laughs> so... It's either going to be that, or he's just going to fight like three of these. And yeah, or he's going to fight three and be like, "All right, I, I'm retiring." And Dana White's going to be like, "Dude, really?" <laughs> Ain't nothing to be done at that point. Nope. Like, 
So nothing. But, can uh, be- yeah, that, I was I was just shocked when I heard they getting ten fights. I was like. Uh, Dude, he thinks he can go. You know, he's he he has he has belief in his ability. And I, again, I'm not mad at the dude, but like the what the argument you pose makes the most sense. It's like who else does he got? Like I said, other than 205, GSP, maybe Nick Diaz, you know, maybe Luke Rockhold. If you want to be, if you want to get crazy, um, you know, it's not like it's not like Anderson Silva's going up to heavyweight <laughs> to fight a heavyweight. So. Like what, uh, if you want to. Yeah, but it's like it's like what the what the hell else is he gonna try to accomplish in ten fights that he could probably have banged out in five? That's not what kills me. I mean, unless he unless he unless he wants to fight. Well, I don't think Anderson Silva has a problem with fighting GSP. Oh hell no. GSP doesn't want to fight Anderson Silva. And John John Jones is already like at one point he said he wouldn't fight him. Now John Jones is like, yeah, I'd fight him. Well, yeah, so, John Jones probably was I like. Would watch you know, John Jones, somebody told him, like, dude, you know how much money is here? <laughs> You're yeah, not even John 30 yet. Maul Anderson Silva, so I don't even... Unless Anderson Silva lands something, which is completely possible because he's Anderson Silva. Uh, yeah, I don't think Anderson Silva wants that fight. <laughs> no, but you know what? that's the fight Anderson Silva wants. <laughs> oh, of course not, but you know what it is? In, in, a, in a John Jones situation, a lot of these guys are going to be like, dude, X amount of money, X amount of return... You gonna do it, and that's that's what happens. You know, some of these guys, ah, oh, maybe not. But then you just dangle that check, that right number. Everybody's got a price, dude. Rashad wasn't gonna fight John Jones. Remember that shit? <laughs> uh, that was. <laughs> that's all I gotta say, that man. Whole reasoning, the Rashad's reasoning for being pissed off is stupid as hell. Anyway, dude, but that was that was wrestling booking. That's what that was to, for that Rashad and, and Jones fight. That was wrestling booking one hundred and one. Oh, you said I sucked. All right, man. This is my gym now. Like, what? Who does that? You're all grown men. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, dude, but that's but that's but that's manufactured beef. And, and the UFC would never own up to that. But come on, dude. That that screamed Monday Night Raw angle more than anything. See, I, I see what you're saying right there, but I don't. I legit think Rashad was mad. Like, I oh, legit no, I, I, think Rashad was like straight up pissed for no reason. Right, but Rashad was mad, but the UFC was like, dude, you can't be annoyed. We need you to, you know, we need you to be mad. Like, annoyed I can see, but he was mad on some real seething, like, I'm gonna, you know, we're never speaking ever again type shit. Yeah, I I don't, I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if it was someone manufactured, but it would also not shock me if he still is out here Butt hurt, you know, <laughs> John Jones, all butt hurt for no reason other than John Jones said if Dana White said we had to fight, I would fight him. Like that was that was the whole gist of why he was mad. Like yeah, what? Fuck he that, didn't dude. say I whooped his ass, but <laughs> he didn't say all that. All he said was if I was told to fight him, I would fight him. Yeah, well, that's so. what that's what it's for, dude. Like I always say, MMA is not a team sport. But um, nope. We that we actually wrapped up, but. The first MMA segment of 2013. We good shit. Yep, yep. Anything else you want to add? Nah. Uh, just everybody uh, check out my uh, my uh, the Black Eyes. Yeah, of, uh, the Black Eye Awards was was perfect, dude. That was that was very well done. Thank you, thank you. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody check out the Black Eye Awards uh, and uh, my UFC 155 breakdown, and that's uh, about it. Oh yeah, and follow Ben on Twitter at 
Blackout B L A Q eighty nine. Yeah. Follow right. me on Twitter. There I you go. Say some hilarious sometimes. I don't know. I I I like when you're in the bar and and you put the tweets out, the most <laughs> random tweets. And also if 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 you're a if you're hardcore hip hop, you, you gotta listen to his musings on certain things, so <laughs> I, I yeah, laugh so. at some of that stuff. He's like, yo, why is this guy's mixed up? I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave yeah. you alone with that. All right, dude. Well, <laughs> I right, appreciate man. it. I will catch you later. All right, man. Peace. Peace. All right, that wraps up the first MMA segment of 2013, and we're going to jump right into it. Time to talk some wrestling. And if any, if anybody's been a force the last couple of weeks in wrestling – it's these guys. Now, before I get into the the final raw of twenty thirteen of twenty twelve, excuse me, um, I I wanted I I use the Shield's intro this week because the Shield has done something which actually happens not as often as I'd like, and it's that they took a gimmick that you'd look at at a glance and think it was kind of hacky, and they've really grown on me as a group. The only thing that bothers me with them is that sometimes they'll come out to attack certain dudes and they just get beat up. By like, excuse me, by like one guy, which when, when you're a group of talented, high level competitors, shit like that shouldn't happen. Like if the three of them attack Ryback, Ryback should be getting his ass whooped every time unless somebody saves him or he grabs a chair. But the outcome should be always that they maul a guy like Ryback. I mean, it was good what they did with Orton and, and the way they were used Monday night. But I think overall... The, the combination of them as a unit needs to develop some direction. I mean, them coming out and, and being the shield of injustice, I can understand, but there needs to be more to them than just coming out and attacking X people. you got to start giving these guys direction, maybe start saying that, you know, it's an injustice that, um, you know, X guy is champion and we're going we're gonna to protect those belts because we're the shield. Like, something like that. Like, if you take... Ambrose and Rollins, for instance, and and say that they have to protect and shield the the WWE tag team titles from you know two guys who just don't don't show respect to the belts. You you can build something around that that would give those guys just a little bit more focus. Like I understand them coming out and fucking people up. It's always good. I have no issue with that. But I feel that they just need that little. That little extra bit of guidance, which which really helps. But again, I'm not booking it, but it's something I would like to see personally. Now, as for the uh, as for the raw of 2012, the last raw of 2012, which was taped, it had its high points and its low points. I think that the the John Cena Miz promo with the Rose Scholars was was kind of juvenile. You know, typical Cena. I make fun of you. Blah blah blah. Miz join me in this tag team match, even though we hated each other sort of way. It, 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 I understand why they did it because they're, they're really trying to 
validate that Miz face turn, which is fine. But I just felt that doing it at the expense of the road scholars, both guys up and coming, talented guys that you can do a lot with. It just it was a disservice. Maybe you could have gotten a singles match out of it, but they didn't let the guys look as good as they should have in that match. And of course, you know, we, we get the the complimentary wrestling themed party, which was the New Year's Eve party that Raw did, which ugh, it had it had its moments. Um Cesaro and Sergeant Slaughter, we know, we know what the deal is with that. Just I, I have I have nothing to say with regards to that. Team Hell knowing the three MB was was okay. I think that the three MB got the opportunity to showcase a little bit more and they started kind of stepping out of the shadow of being a comedy faction and really being more about the wrestling and being a solid heel team. I think they can be a, a serious threat to the tag team division. I think they can even be a serious threat to like the IC or US title, especially if McIntyre gets healthy and Mahal and Heath Slater are the guys that carry the tag team burden of the faction. I think they can do a, a tremendous amount of damage. Do I think the gimmick is 100% sound? Absolutely not, but I think that there's potential there with the right booking and just the right feuds to really do something with them. Sheamus and took on Dolph Ziggler in a, in a very, very good match. Once again, Dolph Ziggler bumping like a champion. Of course, our, our boys, The Shield, come out and really, really take it to Sheamus. I got to tell you, Biggie Langston is a, an animal. Um, I can't help but, but say that, that Biggie Langston uh, looks like our very own Slick. He does. Slick looks a little like Biggie Langston. And it's not even because they're both African-American or whatever. But there's there's a slight resemblance there, which, you know, if Slick uses the Biggie Langston finisher and kills me off air over the weekend for saying that, then, you know, Slick inherits the show. But seriously, Biggie Langston... Uh, the the one thing that bothers me with him is what I've been saying with the shield. You got to start kind of pushing him in a direction where you can do something with him because Dolph Ziggler, I, I said this with Vicky Guerrero when he was with her, there's a point where you outgrow the necessity for certain things. While I understand that Biggie Langston is with AJ and there's kind of a, a story that they kind of threw together, Dolph Ziggler doesn't really need a bodyguard, especially a, a guy like Langston. I mean, you can have him there and it can be something where there's a mutual agreement or, or something between them, but just him playing the bodyguard role at this, at this juncture is not essential for Dolph Ziggler. I mean, if you're going to use that just to get him in and have the, the crowd recognize him, that's fine, but it should be something that's short lived and you can kind of start letting Biggie Langston branch out and, and get himself into some feuds that, in a way, orbit Dolph Ziggler. Like, obviously, Dolph Ziggler is feuding somewhat with John Cena, which is fine. But if John Cena's kind of working with The Miz, you can have, you know, doing promos and stuff with The Miz, you can kind of push Langston into a feud with The Miz, and it kind of keeps everything together in a neat little package. Him just standing there looking imposing is fine, but it's losing its luster a little quicker than I would have thought possible especially when he's not being used at, to, to his fullest potential. I think that he's definitely underutilized. But again, that's just that's just my opinion on it. But one thing I do have to say is that you can put Dolph Ziggler in there with a wet paper bag and he'll make them look good. Not to say that Sheamus is a shitty wrestler, but Dolph Ziggler once again bumping like a champion. 
The Big Show took on Ricardo Rodriguez, which, of course, was some angle advancement with Del Rio and continued to reinforce the Del Rio face turn. I am very, very happy that they allowed Ricardo Rodriguez to get some offense in, especially some of the stuff that Del Rio uses. It, it was it was very nice. We knew that the outcome was going to be the Big Show killing Ricardo Rodriguez, but it was good to see that Ricardo has some training and they kind of let that be a surprise for everybody. I felt that was just good to get his character over, and I think that when they do split him and Del Rio, Ricardo Rodriguez would make a very, very good face. The IC Championship results, of course, were spoiled by WWE.com. Wade Barrett wins the belt, which is fine. Wade Barrett needed a belt to kind of help his character get over. <coughs> Excuse me. I think in, in Kofi Kingston's case, he's going to be a guy that you'll probably see him in the chamber or <clears throat> he's going to make a, a, a bigger presence for himself in the Rumble. But we haven't seen the last of Kofi Kingston in any type of title picture. On the contrary, you may get another match between him and Barrett. If not, he may go after Cesaro for the U.S. title. Who knows? But I think that Kofi needs that one match that'll push him to the next level. And working with Barrett or even Cesaro at this point is going to do him nothing but good. So, you know, a lot of people are kind of bummed that he lost it. But again, Kofi Kingston doesn't really need a belt to validate his persona. I think he's at that stage where he just needs the match and the feud to take him to that other level. I think when he was feuding with Randy Orton and he was really, really aggressive and kind of real in your face, I think that was the time that Kofi Kingston should have been bumped up into the main card because that feud was the feud that definitely had the shades of making Kofi Kingston an, a, a main event talent. Why they didn't do it, who knows, but obviously I believe Orton got injured at the time, if I remember correctly, that was part of it, but I think that that was a feud that had tremendous potential for Kingston to look good. And of course, to close things out, we get the three-on-one handicap match with the Shield and Ryback, which of course Sheamus comes in, Randy Orton returns, so there'll probably be some six-man tag match next week, especially you know since it's going to be the first Raw of 2013. Who knows, maybe they'll do something big with that. I guarantee you, you're going to see the Shield involve themselves in Ryback's TLC match with Punk next week. Or who knows, maybe The Rock will involve himself as well. I honestly would like to see The Shield do something to The Rock to ensure that The Rock doesn't involve himself in the TLC match. But again, I'll take it either way. It's going to definitely be interesting to see how much they pour into the first Raw of the year. Because again, now this is the build going into the Royal Rumble. So... This is what I like to call one of the big four on the pay-per-view scale. You know, you got SummerSlam, the Rumble, Survivor Series, and WrestleMania. So when you're booking those big four, the, that, that first Raw and usually the last Raw are the two where they just invest the most energy. Sometimes the, the, the episodes of Raw and SmackDown in between help set the pace, but usually the, the beginning and the end are the ones that kind of bring it home. So we'll see what happens with, with the Raw, with the first Raw of 2013. Now, usually I, I kind of flip-flop with regards to TNA Impact, but the big thing was Sting coming back, which was okay. I think there were uh, some solid matches. I really expected the, the opener with James Storm taking on Kaz to be a better match than it was. It was okay. Um, I think it was just a contrast of styles that didn't mesh well together. But I will say that the, the Christian York and Kid Cash match, which I was super pumped for, just it, it kind of just went by so quickly that I didn't really get a chance to appreciate it 
Um, Kenny King is taking on Zima Ion next week, which should be good. Of course, the winner of that is going to take on Christian York at Genesis for, and the winner of that match will face Rob Van Dam. So I really like that. They're starting to push Christian York. I think that guy has paid his dues. He has a great look. The crowd has gotten behind him. So it, I, I think he's a guy you could definitely market, but I also feel that kid cash is extremely underutilized as a veteran. And he's a guy that needs an opportunity to make a mark in that division. He's, He's a great worker. He he can do the strong style, but he can also do the cruiserweight style really well. And I think he deserves a bump into that slot. Th- this Joey Ryan, Matt Morgan relationship, I, I kind of think it's bullshit only because Joey Ryan doesn't need Matt Morgan to get over and Matt Morgan definitely doesn't need Joey Ryan. And that match between um, Joey Ryan and Hernandez was just complete shit. It's just complete shit because you knew Morgan was going to involve himself, especially because he has previous history with Hernandez. So, you know, what do you expect? Miss Tessmacher and Mickey James took on Tara and Gail Kim. It was, you know, pretty formulaic. Of course, Jesse got involved, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was bullshit. Um, aces and eights. The, this aces and eights angle is running its course very, very very quickly. But the thing that kills me is that you know, they um they un you knew that another Aces and Eights guy was going to get unmasked especially because it was a cage match, a uh, Kurt Angle Samoa Joe, Devon and a masked guy who I already kind of had an idea who it was, but the match really wasn't that good. Devon I don't I don't know what Devon's deal is, but he just I don't know if it's because He's gotten comfortable being in the Aces and Eights stable, but his wrestling, I don't know, it's its kind of taken a step in, in the wrong direction. Um, obviously, Angle and Joe were going to get the victory in that because we, there was going to be an unmasking. Um, Sting comes out, clears the ring, and Angle unmasks the, the, the guy, and of course, it's Mike Knox, who a lot of you guys may know from WWE. Um, he wrestled in ECW for a while. He was um, with Kelly Kelly for a t- for a time. So yeah, you got a bi- big ass Mike Knox, um, big ass Luke Gallows. Maybe you could put him in a tag team or something. But again, the aces and eights angle is running its course because the guys that are being unveiled, none of them are making you shocked. Like I can understand if if the rumors are to be believed that you know Garrett Bischoff and um. Excuse me. West Briscoe are going to be guys that are going to be members. But again, not shocking. If you wanted to shock me, one of the guys comes out, attacks them, you unmask them, and it's like Bully Ray. Like that would be huge. Or not Hogan because you know it's Hogan a mile away. But like a Bully Ray would be, especially with, with the, the, the angle with him and Hogan and Brooke and all that shit, and it was Bully Ray the whole time, that would be super shocking but if all signs point to eric bischoff or hogan it's just not gonna work i even heard d'lo brown at one point really like since when the fuck has d'lo brown been relevant but impact really was was kind i honestly want to say it was kind of weak this this week no pun intended it it really didn't deliver as well as i would have liked but tna has that um that moniker of being solid one week and then they drop the ball another week now, one thing I wanted to talk about, which I came across this week, and it's funny that it was, it became news 
on a lot of wrestling websites was the second edition of the WWE encyclopedia, which, you know, you go to any Barnes and Nobles, you see it sometimes for 15, 20 bucks on one of those big tables. Um, but ironically enough, I thumbed through it when I was at the Barnes and Nobles by my office. And, um, there was a guy that I really didn't expect to see in there. And that friends was Chris Benoit who had about, about half a page in the second edition of the book. If you want to see it for yourselves, Look for the WWE Encyclopedia Second Edition, and Benoit was indeed there. You know, they talked about uh, his, his history with the Dynamite Kid, training in the Stu Hart Dungeon, a little bit about WCW, his World Heavyweight Title win, a couple of other things. He was referred to it, obviously, you know, past tense, but they didn't acknowledge like the death of which, which again, I can understand. But some people are like, man, you know, why the hell is Chris Benoit in in the in the encyclopedia? Blah blah blah, and again. Chris Benoit, as a human being, is a piece of shit. You know, you kill your kid, kill your wife, you take the coward's way out, you fucking hang yourself. Maybe it was brain damage. Maybe you were just high off some shit. Maybe you were just nuts. Who knows? We'll never know the truth behind it. But, again, I separate the athlete from the, pers- from the person. Chris Benoit, the athlete, the wrestler, was probably one of the one of my probably top five wrestlers that I enjoyed watching in WCW, his stuff in Japan as the Pegasus kid, all of that stuff. I, I, I loved watching him wrestle his legendary matches with Eddie Guerrero, uh, his work with the four horsemen, his his legendary matches with Kurt Angle. I can go down a list of, of, of excellent, excellent wrestling memories with Chris Benoit. Hell, I own his DVD that WWE put out. But the fact is as a person, you know, he's a piece of shit. He's probably burning in hell. But I, as a wrestler, I cannot discount his contributions to the sport. And if it, and if he is, you know, if they decided to put him in the encyclopedia, they did it the right way. They acknowledge Chris Benoit's accolades as a performer. Sure, you know, you can you can vilify him, but you can you can vilify a lot of people, but. You're, it's the same thing with OJ. OJ Simpson's a piece of shit and a murderer. But as an athlete, he was a tremendous athlete. Lawrence Taylor is a, you know, he, he's a cokehead and a, and a lunatic. But come on, breaking Joe Theismann's leg? Never forget that as a kid. Ever. Just it, It's just, that's the way it is. You, you, you have, some people just, they don't separate that. And again, some people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, Rich, you know, you're, you're, you're putting Benoit on a pedestal. No. I'm separating the man's accolades as a performer from obviously what he did in the real world. There's nothing wrong with that. You can be a fan of an individual for their accomplishments on the gridiron, on the baseball field, and they can be complete pieces of shit. They can be cheaters. Who knows? But you, you're, you're, you appreciate their accomplishments. And that's kind of where it is. Yeah. It's a little crazy to see it, especially because he's kind of been blacklisted from everything. But maybe, maybe they're starting to realize that that's kind of the right way to put it. Yeah, you don't want to put him on, on, on certain video packages or you don't want to put him in stuff. That's fine. But it's an encyclopedia that may be bought by a handful of people. I'm serious. The, the WWE encyclopedia is one of those books that you see with a ton of other big books in a bookstore that you either buy as a coffee table book or you buy it because you want it in your bathroom. Seriously, 
in my house we have the DC Universe Encyclopedia, we have a Marvel Encyclopedia, and you know most times where they are on a, in a in a in a rack next to the toilet because you you know you read one or two, you use the bathroom and you leave. Nothing wrong with that. Like I said, the WWE Encyclopedia is not going to be something that's going to be sold everywhere and. It's going to have all these commercials and shit. It's just going to be something that, hey, oh, it's a second edition. All right, I'll pick it up. Simple as that. Of course, CM Punk faces Ryback January 7th. He is cleared to wrestle, according to WWE.com. But there's a couple of other guys that are on the shelf. Evan Bourne still you know, re- re- rehabbing his foot. You will not be seeing him for the Royal Rumble unless, of course, he's lying, which it could happen. Kurt Hawkins, he actually got injured in October. He tore his P- his PCL and his meniscus. So he'll, he may be back soon because he said on Twitter he was doing some DDP yoga, etc. So his recovery is coming along. So we may be seeing him back. Honestly, I, I got to say, uh, if Kurt Hawkins comes back, I would 100% put him with Zack Ryder. Um, they have pre-existing history, obviously, as the Major Brothers and you know, the edge heads, et cetera, et cetera. But not only that, they, they just have such great chemistry and they're both New York guys. There's got to be a way you can do something with that, with 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 either the, them being the party boys or something. Maybe make them a tag team, you know, make, make them the broskies. Like, that would be kind of cool. And, and you'd give Zack Ryder something to do. You'd give Hawkins something to do. And you'd probably just add another team to your tag team ranks, which at this point you really do fucking need. So... Kurt Hawkins, hopefully you'll be back soon, and maybe they'll actually use you this time. All right, that actually wraps up the wrestling for this week. Like I said, pretty quiet week because we have the holiday in between. So hopefully, obviously, with the with the Raw of 2013, we got SmackDown, uh, TNA pay per view, couple of things in the, in the, in the works. Um, House of Glory, um, our friends at Amazing Red School are going to be doing a show this month. So either myself or Jay Santi or both of us will be doing something with regards to that. So be on the lookout for that in the coming weeks as well. All right, let's get into some video game stuff because there there were a couple of interesting news stories I, I want to talk about, obviously. And um, there's also some stuff that, like I said, regarding Sandy, the, uh, the Sandy Hook incident that I definitely want to address. So let's get right into it. So, shortly after doing the show, the last show of December, of course, um, we had we had the tragedy in Connecticut uh, with the gunman coming in. Uh, Twenty six people got killed. The guy killed himself, killed his mom, uh, innocent children, staff members. It, it was it was fucking devastating. And there there's a couple of things I gotta say before I get into this, and I am. You know, like like you guys know, and and this is going into some real world stuff. You know, I'm 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 a quasi parent. I'm an insta dad for both of my sisters, and um, both of my sisters are handicapped, which I've shared with you guys. You know, I, I take I take I have no shame in acknowledging that, and um, both of them went to public school at varying points and participated in special education. And right now, my older sister is going to an adult program and my younger sister, I'm preparing her for an adult program as well. And 
there's nothing more alarming than being a parent of any sort and receiving a call from a school because it's either your kid did something or something happened. And, you know, we wake up and, <clears throat> excuse me, my sinuses are still a little fucked up, but we wake up, we send our children to school with the belief that they're going to someplace safe to get an education and, you know, the, the trouble trouble finds people wherever they go, but to, to, to have it be something of that magnitude is just, it's just insane. It, it's really crazy. I mean, I remember right before my sister finished, um, you know, the special education program in high school, her school bus got into an accident, actually. And, um, you know, it was a, a car cut off the school bus and in the midst of cutting off her school bus, crashed into her school bus. Um, not far from my house. I was already at work. But the crazy thing was when I got that phone call, I wasn't concerned about the accident in, in, in the sense that it was, you know, the accident happened. I was concerned when they're like, oh, well, you're going to need to go pick your sister up at the hospital. And that's the kind of stuff that really just freaks you out. And it's funny because, you know, you see a lot of people on the web and, and they and they voice their opinions in a way that they, they want to sound like they're, you know, they're shocking or or whatever, like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and you know, they kind of look at it from a humorous standpoint. But I'll be 100 percent honest. No, no bullshit. No joking around. 100 percent honest. As a parent. If you have children and you get any kind of a phone call, the welling of concern that 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 rises in your chest is 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 it can never be measured by someone who doesn't have children. Simple as that. So for me, I know a lot of people, they got, you know, hyper emotional like I was I felt emotional about it and I had an emotional response because I'm like I said, I'm somewhat of a parent. But the fact is that just crimes against children are, 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 are just deplorable in, in, any, in any and every sense. Like, not to say that shooting an adult or killing an adult is, is, is cool, but I'm just saying that there's a, there's a level of, of, of just being a human being. And, and, and I tell you guys, you know, joking around or not, I, I am a piece of shit. You know, I joking around, I say it, but I say some, some shitty things and I'm very, very upfront with my opinions. This is why I do what I do, but <clears throat> excuse me. The fact remains that I have limits, you know, th things like that. I just, I view them differently. Now, <clears throat> the, the, the first thing that happened right after this was, oh, this guy played mass effect. So everybody jumped on the Mass Effect page and, <clears throat> excuse me, what the hell, <clears throat> excuse me, they, everybody jumped on the Mass Effect page, oh, you guys are, 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 you know, adding to the, to violence, you guys are contributing to violent behavior, let's be, let's be frank, and, and this is something that, that has plagued the gaming industry, that, that people let it, the gaming industry be attacked, and they don't really take a, a stance to fight back intelligently. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. What's up with my. With the cough. Christ. Anyway. Let's 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 be. Let me be completely rational. Without becoming super belligerent. Which is going to happen anyway. But think of this. 
Violent video games have existed for as long as I can remember. From Custer's Revenge to <coughs> any other shooting game that we've played, it, it's been there. It, it's happened. Accountability needs to go into consideration across the board based on a, on, on a multitude of factors. <coughs> Man, you know what? I'm going to... Nah, I shouldn't even take a commercial break. I actually, you know what? Let me take a, a quick commercial break and try and get myself some water because clearly something, something is missing. I'm going to take a commercial break. I'll be right back right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show. Because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, that's a lot better. Got a, got a uh, bit of water which I apologize if you hear me drinking it. Anyway, so as I was saying, we're, we're, we're going to look at this in a, in a couple of different steps, and I'm going to try and address it intelligently before I become a complete belligerent psychopath because it's going to happen. You, you as a parent have your child, and it's your job to nurture and build a relationship with your child. That's your responsibility as you bring the child into the world. These are the facts. You go out there and... This particular lady, you know, the kid, parents got divorced. The mom was trying to find a way to reach her kid. And she figured, hey, you know, let's buy some guns. We'll shoot them together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what ended up happening was, in my, in, again, my opinion, I'm not a medical professional, so, you know, don't, don't judge. But in my opinion, you, you're masking a deeper underlying issue with trying to reach your kid in a casual way it's like when 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 parents or people say you can't be friends with your kids or you have to be parent first friend second that's kind of what happened you know you you wanted to be friends with your kid and you didn't see the underlying issue may you know it wasn't mass effect it wasn't asperger's it was the fact that this kid had she had shit she had shit going on you know the the kid had underlying issues and all 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 the shooting did was just nurture an underlying problem which just exploded into something else the fact is that media yes it it may affect you in a way but as a parent you have a responsibility you have a responsibility if she felt that connecting with her kid can only be done with guns as a parent, that's a that's a huge problem. That is a huge, huge problem. And going on 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 the offensive and trying to to find all these different ways to justify what happened, it, it's a media ploy that just is used to propagate fear. And, and you know, it's not even about me saying you shouldn't watch the news, but you should watch the news and be educated enough to say to yourself. You know, maybe maybe there's a little fear mongering there. The, when you don't have a clear cut 
definition as to why the guy did it, it's very easy to blame everything that was in his room. If you walked into his room and you found that he had rubber dildos and gay pornography, are you going to blame gay pornography as the reason that he went into the theater uh, into the excuse me the theater into the school and shot and shot up the school i'm i'm being serious in the sense that there's always more to it than just what's on the surface but it's very easy to attack gaming because gaming they'll take two steps forward and three steps back and i'll say it in the sense that gaming has a rating system and and we go out of our way to tell parents, well, I do, to look at the rating system, be aware of what their kids are playing. But you know what? The industry is not taking a stand and being aggressive about that stuff. They're not. You you should be sending out mystery shoppers and, and trying to see what stores are, are enforcing the rating, et cetera, et cetera. I've gone to Best Buy. I've bought an M-rated game, and I've gone up to the cashier. And I'd like to say 85% of the time, I'll get ID'd. Sometimes I don't. And again, you it's not just about the retailer, but it's also about the parent. And, and not for nothing, Mass Effect is one of, yeah, it, it's, a, it's violent, but there's far more violent shit out there. You can hide behind the shield of Call of Duty. You can hide behind the shield of Mortal Kombat. But you know what? We have been violent with one another far longer than video games have existed you forget we are a group of we are a civilization that has crucified our own people we are we are a civilization that has stoned our own people we're a civilization that you know participates in necrophilia participates in in molestation of children this is shit that has existed and there's no outside stigma that that adds to that. It's just something that has that violence has existed. It's the, that's what it is. It, the problem is that violence isn't being regulated by the parents when they have children. It it that's the fact. And and, and people talk about assault weapons, and I you know I I'm not gonna go crazy about that because I'm gonna just say my views on gun control are as follows. I believe that if you own a home <clears throat> and you want to have a firearm, you can. You know, whether it's a handgun or a shotgun. You don't need an M16. You don't need an M4. You don't need a grenade launcher. You don't need, uh, you know, a, a, a rapid fire machine gun with, with a banana clip. You don't need that. Do you need a handgun? Okay. A shotgun? No problem. But you don't need an M16. You don't need a sniper rifle. You don't need any of that. That's that's how I feel about gun control. My mom had a gun. She did. She had a gun. So at once, she goes, this is my gun. I have it here. You know, I got you guys. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a single parent. Somebody breaks in. You know, I want to be able to defend you guys. And I was young, and I was like, okay. She was like, You're, um, you'll never know where it is. And don't ever look for it. And that's the, that's how it worked. You know, your parents sat you down and had the talk. It wasn't, oh, you know, let let T, let MTV explain to you about sex. Or let, you know, the History Channel explain to you about violence. It, they, pa- parents don't sit down with their kids anymore. And they don't see what's wrong with them. They don't. I'll be, I'm, I'm going to 
share some with you. My when my mom died, my my older sister, she has autism. She for six months would draw in her notebook my mother in a casket for six months. I didn't say to myself, yeah, you know, she's just grieving. The first month or so I understood. When I saw her still drawing that six months later, at the three-month mark, I, I, I started talking to doctors. By the fourth month, she was being evaluated. By the sixth month, we had found a way to kind of navigate her away from that. Well, you want to know why? Because I was aware of what the hell was going on. I didn't hide behind her condition. I didn't make that a crutch. I was a realist. And I said, this is a bigger problem. My younger sister, the same way. She went through a time period. Hey, you know, I I close my eyes and I see mom in my sleep. I was like, ah, all right. It passed. A couple of weeks later, same thing. She went to school. She mentioned it in school. I said, all right, time, time to do something. Called a psychologist. They sat her down. They, they, they kind of spoke to her, kind of started helping her verbalize and grieve a little better. And we moved on. But that's what I'm saying. So there's more to it than just the instant brushstroke that gaming is to blame. And the reason I, I, I kind of went into that is because let's look at the NRA. The guy that the head of the NRA was like, oh, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to share this particular statement. He goes, there exists a shadow industry that sells and sows and sows, excuse me, sells and sows violence against its own people through vicious, violent video games with names like Bulletstorm, Grand Theft Auto, Mortal Kombat and Splatterhouse. Here's one. It's called Kindergarten Killers. It's been online for 10 years. How come my research department could find it and all of yours either couldn't or didn't want anyone to know you had found it? He went on to add, there's there's blood-soaked slasher films like American Psycho and Natural Born Killers that are aired like propaganda loops on Splatter Days. And every day, a thousand music videos that portray life as a joke and murder as as a way of life are on our airwaves. He said, a child in America... Witnesses 16,000 murders and 2,200 acts of violence by the time he or she reaches the ripe old age of 18. He went on to call for Congress to place armed police officers in every school, etc., etc., etc. So, let me get this straight. Bulletstorm. GTA. Mortal Kombat. Splatterhouse. Let's look at those those four titles. And you have a child that comes up to you and says, Ma, you know, can you guys can you guys buy me bullet storm? As a parent, you don't say, Yeah, you know, little Jimmy, I'll, I'm gonna buy you bullet storm for, for your birthday. Your job as a parent is to say bullet storm. Let me let me look into that because the title obviously sounds a little violent. And you go, you look it up, you look at the freaking rating. You look at the rating. You pampered pussies. That's what you do as a parent. Look at the rating. Hey, you know, I saw that the game is rated M. You know, you're 12. I really don't think you should. And if you're going to let your kid play these games, then you need to sit down and have the fucking talk. Have the talk with your kids about violence 
and about don't try this at home. I watch wrestling since I was a little kid. Once in a while we do, we, we, you'd play wrestle with your friends. And if one of us got hurt, you'd hear my mother or a kid's mom be like, just because they do it on TV doesn't mean you should do it in real life. It's not the same. It's not real. Seriously, this guy referenced four super violent games that are rated accordingly for, for the reasons that we all know. Grand Theft Auto rated M for mature. It's even in the commercial. Splatterhouse rated M flashes right on the corner when you see the box art or it's there. You see it. Why is it the job of the gaming industry to raise your children? And the NRA is only using that because, once again, the NRA has representatives to represent them and fight for them. Gaming has nothing but bloggers and maybe the occasional website that'll put out an op-ed or they'll do something about it. There's no, there's no, like the ESRB should have stood up at that point and been like, listen, it's very easy for you to attack video games, but... We do our job and we do diligence to ensure that the games are rated appropriately. The same applies to movies. The same applies to music. If you're a parent and you know that your kid is 14 years old and watching American Psycho and you're not doing anything about it, you're the fucking problem. If you're a parent and your 15-year-old kid, you pampered, soft-bottomed pieces of shit, wants to watch natural born killers do something about it sit down with your kids and say hey you know you can't really watch this because it's it's rated r and you're 14 or if you're again if you're a responsible parent and you want to let them watch it then you got to have the talk and if you notice things are a little crazy or kids start acting out shit from the movie or saying stuff that then you got to crack down on it nobody chooses to defend this stuff like you know um, Jennifer Mercurio from the ECA, she issued a statement about, you know, scientific research, but she went on to say the following. We agree with the Supreme Court's decisions and the volumes of scientific research, which all clearly state that there is no casual link between media violence and real life violence. As we are all learning increasingly through the news, this is a situation of the perpetrator's mental disorders and his family's inability to adequately deal with them in time. Our hearts remain with all those suffering in the aftermath of this horrendous crime. Now see, the ECA did the right thing. They came out and they voiced their opinion. But again, here's the the funny thing. The guy references kindergarten killers. There's countless suspect PC games out there. You want to see a suspect game? Ethnic Cleansing. which Which is a game... Where you play a white supremacist and your job is to kill minorities, Jews, blacks, Mexicans. All the stereotypes are on display. The game is out there. It, it, it is. It exists. It's out there. Again, these things happen. People publish shit. It gets out there. People play it. That's how it works. Again, it goes back to the parents. Are you watching what your kids do on the internet? Do you think that your kid is on Facebook all day and he isn't looking at RedTube and cranking one off when you're not home? Really? Are you that blind? Seriously. Do, do you think that, that, you're, that, you're, that your little girl may or may not have little pictures of her boobies on the internet 
Do you think that that's not happening? Because you turn a blind eye and you trust way too much. I'm sorry. My mom was hard as shit on me. And she gave me freedom, but she was hard on me when she needed to be. If I was watching something that was a little too crazy and I started acting a little suspect, she'd be like, hey, 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 you know, I let you watch this because, you know, I, I figured you could handle it, but clearly you can't. And that's what it was. And, and, you know, you get slapped in the back of the head and you move on. I'm sorry to say it. We are way too soft. We are way too pampered. We are. That's it. And a lot of you guys may 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 agree or disagree with it, but the facts are the facts. We as 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 parents, we as as people of the media need to take accountability and fight for our interests in a way that lets politicians and and, and these these pundits know that it's not about this particular interest. It's about other issues and you and we're going to defend it. You know, I mean, the, the guys at Gamer Fin Nation, they did a video game ceasefire a week after to honor the, the Sandy victims. And it received a lot of press and uh, people were on board and, and people, some people were on board, some people weren't. And there were a couple of people that were just very disingenuous about saying, hey, you know, I'm not participating because, you know, I don't think gaming is to blame. And then they go uh, on, on, a, on another social media network and they badmouth it instead of just saying, hey, I don't want to do it. I'll be 100% honest with you. I don't really play first-person shooters like that, so there was really no necessity for me to say I'm going to do a ceasefire because I, I'm, I wasn't playing them at the time. But I didn't say, hey, you know, I'm not going to do it or I'm going to do it. I just left it alone because my views are exactly that, mine. And I may say, hey, listen, I don't think that this is going to work for whatever reason. And, and again, people are entitled to agree or disagree, but... It was one of those instances, given the light of the tragedy, that anything I would have said wouldn't have really come out right, so I just left it alone. Simple as that. I left it alone. But I'm passionate about this because I I really just feel that the lack of accountability outside of media with regards to parents and and not even teachers, let's not cite teachers or any of that, is in question. It really is. And it's, and it's always going to be something that is the, it's going to be the fuse on, on the dynamite that blows up the lack of accountability by parents and guardians to, to ensure that their kids are consuming the right media responsibly. That's it. And, 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 you know, for, to hear that, and this is the second news story that came out, they're going to do a bonfire to burn violent video games. You want to know when people did that? In, a, in the old days with books because they were scared again of being responsible and being accountable so yeah let's have a bonfire and burn violent video games that rational from a rational standpoint that accomplishes nothing you know what that does it makes people look foolish take responsibility monitor what your children consume whether it's on the web on television, through their headphones, what they read, do the right thing. It's very, like I said, it's very easy to blame everything else. And you know why you do that? Because that's you disguising your, your failures as a, as a parent. I'm sorry. Maybe it's because I'm old school. Maybe it's because I fall into that middle ground 
of not being super old and not being super young, but I, I, I'm aware of everything that goes on in my house and the media that's consumed by, by my kids, by my sisters. Every time, all the time. My sister, hey, can you buy me the Rihanna CD? I go, first thing I do when I walk into Target, hey, do you guys got a clean version of this? Oh, no, there's not one. I tell her, hey, listen, I can't buy you this as curses. Okay, that's it. Simple as that. Again, responsibility and accountability. Make it the number one thing and shit like this won't happen. And if it does happen, then there's more to it than just a copy of Mass Effect and maybe some comic books. And maybe American Psycho. More to it. This guy, he plucked some of the some of the most violent stuff out there that blatantly acknowledges that it's violent. Like Bulletstorm makes no 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 false statements in, in the amount of violence it has. It has a rating for a reason. Grand Theft Auto, we know the level of violence it has. We know it has sex, we know it has violence, and it's rated to reflect that. I'm sorry, but I, I can't I can in good conscience agree with either action that either the NRA or or the people that are that are organizing this bonfire are doing. I can't. There's no logical way. And, and with regards to gun control, like I said, my views are exactly that. My views. The views reflected on my take radio are the views of the host. They don't reflect the views of my staff or anybody else that writes for us. They are my views. You're entitled to agree with them. Great. If you don't agree with them, by all means, I'm always welcome to debate them with you intelligently. Trust me. I can always break down and call somebody who disagrees you know, a scum sucking piece of shit. It's very easy. I can do it. I can do it at the drop of a hat, but I can debate it intelligently. And of course, Jack Thompson crawls out of the woodwork, ready to talk shit about that stuff. And you know what? I'd, I'd love, I would love to debate that guy. I would love to talk to that guy on air. A lot of people shy away from Jack Thompson because they don't want to give the guy free press. I welcome that guy. I welcome him because you know what? That guy got disbarred for a reason, and his views on, on, on things like this are so archaic and so foolish that it, it, would, it, would, be, it would be a pleasure to take that guy to school. Really would. I, I'd, I'd, I'd do it, I'd do it and, I, and I swear to you, I would, I would do three hours of me debating with him. I'd be like, all right, go ahead, call me an asshole. Get it off your chest. I really would. Because it it needs to be done. People need to step up. And uh, again, you want to go and you want to you want to support and you want to donate money to the families and you want to try and do all that stuff. That's great. But police starting at home. Start with your kids. Start when you go to the stores and you know you see a parent that's a little confused about a game for their kid. Maybe chime in. Be like, you know, you may not want to pick that up for him. It's a little too violent. Don't get me wrong. I've done that once or twice. I have done it. Or, or sometimes a, a parent will see me and, and I'll buy, you know, I'll be buying some games and some points and an accessory or whatever. Hey, have you played this? I'm like, yeah. Who's that? What do you think? I'm like, who's it for? Oh, it's for my son. I'm like, how old is he? Oh, so I'm like, I wouldn't do it if I were you. Takes three seconds. You know, I, I, sometimes you got to pay it forward. Simple as that. 
All right. I feel uh I feel refreshed and a little winded from that crazy exchange, but seriously, it's it, it it's it's sad. It's sad that that gaming is always the scapegoat and we really need to do something. As again, as members of of the gaming community as as personalities in the industry, if we want to call ourselves that whoever you may be, do something but don't not do don't not do anything. Do something whether again, it could be as easy as just telling somebody that. It could be as easy as reminding your your listeners that have kids, like, hey, take a minute, make sure you know what your kids are doing. That's it. This is a platform for it, and I, d- I did my part. Simple as that. Anyway, let's shift gears and get into some of the other gaming news for this week. Uh, Dead Space 3 is going to be dropping a demo on Xbox Live and the PSN on January 22nd. Um, Xbox 360 gamers will get a chance to hit the demo a week early if you sign up at demo.deadspace.com. You'll get a gameplay with um, Isaac Clarke and John Carver after they crash land on Tau Volantis, which is an ice planet that's infested with necromorphs. Dead Space 3, of course, hits stores February 5th. And it, if you're in the UK or in other parts of Europe, you'll be getting it February 8th. It's going to drop on the 360, PS3, and PC. Another game that's really, really hitting its stride and and is on multiple platforms is Minecraft. Minecraft sold 453,000 copies on Christmas Day alone. As of of December 13th, Minecraft has sold 17 million copies. So, you know, with that added, added in just Christmas Day, it should put it probably close to 18 million. It's ridiculous because Minecraft has an incredibly large following, bigger than I've ever thought it, it could be. And it, it's across multiple age groups, kids, adults, excuse me. And of course, Minecraft, you can pick it up on PC, Android, iOS, and of course, Xbox 360. So if you want to get in on the Minecraft craze, those are the platforms to look for it. In a, in a sad bit of news, um, and, and that's only just because of the impact it's had on the gaming industry. The PlayStation 2 has officially ended production. Famitsu said that the that Sony has acknowledged that they will not be producing any more consoles after the existing stock sells out. For those of you that don't know, PlayStation first dropped in Japan in 2000, and it sold over 150 million units during its life during its life cycle. The end of the console, of course, is given rise to rumors that Sony is shifting its resources towards the development of the PS4, which is allegedly under development, and I'm going to actually talk a little bit about the PS4 later on in the gaming segment. One thing with, with the PS3 that, that's been happening over the last couple of months is that it's been working really hard to become more than just your, your Blu-ray player and your console, but also your, your media hub, obviously with Netflix, Amazon Video, YouTube, <clears throat> Excuse me. Coming soon reports that Epics will also be joining the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita store in the first quarter of 2013 so you'll be able to access all those epic movies in HD including obviously Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol which is on there, The Hunger Games, Thor and some of their original programming as well. They actually give some really good concerts on Epics cuz I have it here on files in New York City and the HD quality is amazing. So to get that app on the PS3 is really good. It actually just expands the functionality further 
and it really starts to set the groundwork for your console becoming more than just your gaming rig, but also becoming your 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 media hub for music and movies and also for internet programming, you know, stuff like Blip TV, which is on Xbox 360, uh, Files, which you can access on the 360. It's it's really doing a great job in making it your one-stop shop for everything. I only th- I think that in the PS3's case, with the amount of power that system has, it's a little bit slow in, in terms of just picking up some of the channels that the 360 already has. But nonetheless, Sony's really making a strong case for itself, and I think it's only going to get better when the PS4 drops. Digital Spy and a lot of websites are reporting that there is a countdown clock on the Microsoft website for E3. It's counting down days, hours, minutes, and even milliseconds to E3 2013. Uh, Of course, fueling rumors that Microsoft will be unveiling their new Xbox console. So we may be seeing that or we may be getting news regarding that at at this year's E3. We'll see how how that pans out, but... For Microsoft to have a countdown, it's definitely going to be something huge. That's for sure. Now, the last bit of news I wanted to talk about is a rumor that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> picked up steam with um, Sony allegedly looking at solutions to block pre-owned games on the PlayStation 4. Um, the reason this made news today is because, obviously, there, there's some reports that are floating around that are adding a lot of fuel to the fire, and those reports actually had GameStop's um, stock go down today. And honestly, I think that console makers should not encroach on used games in that fashion. Obviously, they're making money back by making you pay for the online pass, etc., 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 but... To put to block pre-owned games, you just you you kill any potential resale value of a game that somebody may have. Maybe you played the game and you beat it, and you really don't feel like sitting on the game for five years. Why can't you sell it and let somebody else enjoy it? Why not? And if they want to play, they should pay for the online pass. I think that that makes sense, and the publisher makes some money. But to block pre-owned games completely. I'm really going to take that rumor with a grain of salt right now because, again, you're you're cannibalizing a secondary market that extends the shelf life of games that really have some life in them for other people that haven't played them. Think about this. You buy Madden. You play Madden for a while. You sell it. Kid buys Madden a year later. Maybe he couldn't afford it at 60 bucks. Buys it used. Pays for the online pass. Guess what that kid does? He adds some life to the Madden servers. He adds life to the game. He extends it for a little longer. You see what I mean? Like in eliminating that, you eliminate that market of people that maybe they just don't have the money to buy every game new. And not everyone's going to sign up for Gamefly either. Either because they're uninformed about it or just because they don't they don't want to put their credit out there. So they'll go and buy a used game for 10 bucks or 15 bucks. I really don't don't see logically how that's going to work. But like I said, as of right now, take it with a grain of salt. But if I hear more, of course, I will share it with you guys. All right. That wraps up gaming for this week. Let's get into some entertainment news. There's a lot of stuff on the entertainment front I want to share with you guys. So let's not waste any time and get right into it. <laughs> 
Let's start things off this week in entertainment news with The Hobbit, which actually hit quite a milestone already, breaking a milestone. No, I said mild. Ugh. Milestone. Past $500 million mark worldwide in box office revenue. 179.7 domestically and $344 million overseas. It's an exact total of $523.7 million after two weeks. So definitely uh, record-breaking performances on the Hobbit front, which of course fuel uh, much of the anticipation for the second and third films, which of course will probably generate just as much money. But again, it's good to see that the Hobbit is doing well, especially as split as a lot of people have been with regards to their opinion of the film. In some TV news, I actually had the chance to watch Mockingbird Lane, which was that Monsters reboot, uh, excuse me, Monsters, Monsters reboot, and for it, for what it was, it was, it, you know, it was, it was okay. It wasn't terrible, but you know what? It, you shouldn't have even based it on the Monsters. It should have just been what it was, because it was totally, totally different. Anyway, <coughs> NBC executives, they put out the show as a one-off to see how it would do as a Halloween special, but it's actually announced that they will not be moving forward with Mockingbird Lane, so I knew it was going to happen because to base it on the monsters and then not really do it justice in, in that fashion, it was it was going to bite you in the ass. For what it was, it was passable, but I watched it forcing myself to remember that it wasn't the monsters. That's how I did it. I was like, all right. I'm just going to watch it to see how it is. If I sit here and I think about it being based on the monsters, I'm going to nitpick every little thing that's wrong with it. And watching it just with a clear slate, with a mental slate, it, it was passable. But would it have held up for, for a prolonged period of time? Absolutely not. IGN put together a very interesting list with the help of uh, Box Office Mojo and BoxOffice.com the biggest movie flops of 2012, and I wanted to share this list with you because it had a lot of a lot of titles that I really expected to be here, but it had a couple that really weren't they weren't the worst movies ever. Obviously, number one was Battleship, 209 million dollars total, made 62 65 million dollars domestically, and um, you know it did well internationally, but it was just a bust. The um, the budget for the film was $225 million. So the fact that it made 65 here in the U.S. alone just really didn't do it any favors. The Big Miracle $40 million budget made $20.2 million domestically, $4.6 internationally. Judge Dredd, the, the reboot, which was surprisingly enjoyable from what I've been hearing, $50 million budget made $13 million domestically, $17.5 internationally. Um, pretty much a dud. John Carter, two hundred and fifty million dollar budget, made seventy three million domestically, two hundred and nine million internationally. Which I mean, it, it it's it's okay. They kind of broke even, but I can understand where they where they can deem the film a bu- uh you know a bust. The Oogie Loves also was on this list. People like us, Premium Rush, which I really thought wasn't terrible. Red Tails, which I watched on cable and I kind of enjoyed. Had a $58 million budget, only made 49.9. Rock of Ages was a dud. Ruby Sparks, That's My Boy, which was destined to be shit. A Thousand Words, Wanderlust, 
the watch and won't back down round out the list of films that are considered the biggest flops of 2012. Now, speaking of box office, let's get into some box office totals from the long holiday weekend. Of course, the Hobbit was number one. Django Unchained was number two. Les Miserables was three. Parental Guidance was four. Jack Reacher was five. This is 40 was six. Lincoln creeped a little further up seven. The Guilt Trip was eight. Monsters, Inc., the re-release was nine. And Rise of the Guardians was ten. One of the films that did very well at the box office broke the uh, prestigious $1 billion mark. And that film, my friends, was Skyfall. $4.6 million at the box office this weekend alone brought its domestic total up to $289.6 million. That joins the already huge $710 million that they made overseas. There you go. That makes Skyfall the third film in 2012 to cross the billion-dollar mark, joining, of course, The Avengers and The Dark Knight Rises. It's also the 14th film ever to break the billion-dollar mark. It's it's insane. It's it's really insane. But Skyfall was amazing. It was a, it was a fantastic film. But I'm also a huge 007 fan. So for me, there was a lot of things I really, 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 really enjoyed. I was concerned Javier Bardem's character would really be kind of whack, but he was he, he was he was badass, and the and the movie itself was surprisingly enjoyable. John Blade actually went to see it with us, and he can vouch for how good the film was. If if you guys follow him on Twitter or our friends with him on Facebook, he'll tell you it was good. In some superhero news, we got to talk a little bit about the Justice League film, which um, they kind of have released what are pretty much the characters you are going to expect to see in this film. Included, of course, are Superman, <coughs> excuse me, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, The Flash, Martian Manhunter, Aquaman. You're going to see an appearance by Alfred, an appearance by Lois Lane, and you're also going to see Darkseid's Elite. Uh, basically, what they're saying is comic book news and also cosmic book news uh, said that you're going to be seeing Superman, probably the same character from The Man of Steel. Um, you're going to see um, a, a bit of, of Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern, but definitely a little bit more serious. Uh, the Flash, of course. Martian Manhunter, which will be the first time we're seeing him on the silver screen. It's going to be very interesting to see how they pull this together, especially if they're not doing like they did with the Avengers and giving these characters individual films. It's going to be very, very, very interesting. Meanwhile, on the Marvel front, Guardians of the Galaxy is really the the number one story that's been kind of taking up a lot of space on, on a lot of comic book websites. And that's because there's so much casting going on Uh, right now. Deadline is reporting that Joseph Gordon Levitt is one of the guys in the running for the role of star Lord Uh, joining him on that list are Jim Sturgis from cloud Atlas and Zach Levi from Chuck. Of course, those of you that aren't familiar with guardians of the galaxy, Peter Quill is star Lord and he's probably going to be the main protagonist in the film. Also rumored on that list, um, which was announced recently via his Twitter account, was Michael Rosenbaum, who you guys may know as Lex Luthor from Smallville. He also voiced The Flash in Justice League, Teen Titans, and Static Shock. He voiced Deadman in Batman Brave and the Bold, and of course played Lex Luthor. So he's another guy that joins that list. Also, another potential character that may be really picking up steam on the casting front is Drax the Destroyer. 
which um, a lot of you may not know, but Drax started out as a human uh, named Arthur Douglas, and when his family got killed by Thanos, um, a, a, a guy named Kronos took his body, his soul, and placed it in the body of Drax the Destroyer to fight Thanos. Now, in terms of casting for that character, Drax is a very big dude, and the guys that they have considered for this role are Isaiah Mustafa, of course, who you guys may know from the Old Spice commercials, also Brian Patrick Wade, and a name I would never have expected, Dave Batista. Of course, you know, Batista we know, very big dude, he just came off um, Man with the Iron Fist, and um, Isaiah Mustafa also, very, very big guy in shape. Brian Patrick Wade, I'm not too familiar with. I got to dig around a little bit, search around IMDb. But um, definitely you need a big guy for Drax the Destroyer because he, he, he's an imposing and very physical presence. If you want to get a good look at him, just look up Drax the Destroyer on Wikipedia. Also, if you want to get a good look at how big he is in relation to Thanos, uh, just look at any panels from the Infinity Gauntlet and you'll get a good look at him and you'll see you definitely need a, need a guy that has a tremendous physical presence and he um Batista definitely will be the guy to fill that to fill those shoes and his act Batista's acting has been improving. I mean, I'm definitely interested to see how he does in Riddick. Um I've seen some of his made for T you know, made for cable stuff and it's alright. He's not a terrible actor, but Drax is such a huge presence that I think Batista can surprise us with regards to his portrayal. And not only that, but it's a nice big role for him. Kind of gets him mainstream and Gives a, l- a little bit more mainstream time. We'll we'll see what happens. I mean, Isaiah Mustafa he, he has a good he has a good voice, good commanding presence. But I don't know if he's the guy that's gonna put on all the prosthetics and really embody what Drax looks like. I mean, we'll see because, like I said, he's a large character. So personally, uh, the fanboy in me, in terms of comics and even from a wrestling standpoint, would like to see Batista get the shot. Who knows? He might do good. Another guy who I had mentioned before that they wanted to consider for Star-Lord was uh, John Krasinski from The Office. And honestly, I cannot fucking stand that dude. So, uh, no. If anything, maybe he can voice a different character. Maybe Groot. Um, Of course, Rocket Raccoon is part of Guardians of the Galaxy. And he's a character who I'm curious to see who's going to voice him. um, Especially since he got some airtime in the Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom game. So, we'll see. And of course, Gamora... You need a, a a larger woman, a very voluptuous woman to play the character of Gamora. So that's casting that I'm interested in as well. In some other Marvel movie news, we um, found out that Haley Atwell will not be reprising her role as Peggy Carter in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So as of right now, they are probably leaning towards Sharon Carter, which is Peggy's niece. And they've got a couple of girls in line to play the role, uh, Jessica Brown Finley, Amelia Clark from uh, Game of Thrones, Teresa Palmer, Imogen Poots, who I've discussed, and of course, Allison Brie are all in running to play Sharon Carter. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, Amelia Clark has Game of Thrones. I think she's very, she's going to be very small next to Captain America. You kind of need a girl that can kind of stand next to him a little bit. And I'm not saying he should dwarf her, but Sharon. Sharon Carter is not a small woman by any means, especially in the books when she's shown alongside Captain America. So, you know, I think Alison Brie's too cute to play the role, but you never know. It could happen. I mean, you need you need a girl who's who's definitely 
very, very, very beautiful to look at, but also has a presence on screen. I mean, if 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 you want to get crazy, and a lot of people may give me shit for it, I think Jessica Biel would make a good Sharon Carter. She has a good physical presence, um, of course, easy on the eyes, but she she can she can kind of embody that and kind of exchange, uh, you know, barbs with Steve Rogers and kind of be that character that she is in the books. Jessica Biel, I think, would do very good with that. Like I said, of course, Chris Evans reprises his role as Captain America. Sam Jackson is uh, Nick Fury. Scarlett Johansson, Colby Smulders, they're coming back. Sebastian Stan, of course, will be playing Bucky. Anthony Mackie is going to be playing Falcon. And Frank Grillo will be playing Crossbones. So definitely, uh, it's I'm really looking forward to The Winter Soldier. And that actually is going to be in theaters April 4th, 2014. All right, so that actually wraps up the entertainment news for this week. Like I said, you know, we're kind of in that weird gray area where we had two days of holiday and actually three days of news. So it was a little light, but I'm glad to be back. I'm very, I'm very happy. Obviously, I apologize for the cough and uh, the slight loss of, of my voice. But like I said, this sinus issue is slowly making its way out of my system. So... Usually when my sinuses get messed up, my voice suffers for it. Anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. I just want to take a moment and acknowledge our staff, our hardworking staff um, behind the scenes, as well as those that write for the site for all the great contributions they've done across the board. Um, Again, MTR is is just, uh, yeah, it is me on air, but there's a lot of great people that work behind the scenes and some, in some cases, in front of the scenes that that helped make things possible. So I just got to thank them for all the great work they did in 2012. Of course, our new additions with uh, Jay Santee and, um, you know, the Buried Boys, my nephew John, Captain Quark, those guys. I, I break their balls a lot, but they, they do great content for the site and, you know, they support what we do and they, they really go out of their way sometimes to to test my patience, but it keeps me on my toes and I'm, I'm grateful to have those guys on my team to help make MTR successful. Of course, slick got, got acknowledged Ben, uh, my fiance, Andrea. Um, and those, those writers that have come and gone that have done, left their mark on the site. I, I'm appreciative of their efforts as well. Um, one thing I do got to say, if we're always looking for a great talent that has, a vision like we do and want to share their thoughts with our audience. If you're interested in writing for the site, by all means, drop me a line and you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com and we can discuss it in detail. All right, let's get the hell out of here. You just heard my take radio episode 167 for Thursday, January 3rd, 2013. Again, if you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode, email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you don't want to use email, you can always hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. Social media, we love social media. We, we abuse the shit out of it. So if you're on Twitter, you can follow me at mytakeradio. You can also become a fan on Facebook. Ask us questions on Formspring, formspring.me forward slash mytakeradio. Add us to your circle on Google+. Maybe Monday, if I get out of work on time, we'll do a Google Hangout while Raw is on, and we'll have a few laughs. We'll see how that goes. And, of course, if you want to access all the great MTR content, 
including exclusive interviews, 96K stereo versions of the show, and mobile wallpapers. You can always download the MTR app for your Android or iOS device. It's $1.99. For Android, you can find it in the Amazon Marketplace. For, for iOS, of course, iTunes is the stop for you. Last but not least, make sure to listen to MTR on Stitcher, iTunes, Zune Marketplace, TuneIn Radio, Mixler, and of course, Blog Talk Radio. We do ask, and we really would appreciate that if you're getting the show from iTunes, please take a moment and leave us a review. Uh, you know, give us a, a five star or a four star, whatever you think we're worth. And please, please just take a moment and review the show. We really appreciate it. We really have a goal of cracking that top 100 in, in the coming year. I, I really fell short of that goal in 2012, but doesn't mean that I don't have that goal in 2013. All right, guys, I'm out of here. I, eh, what is going to take us out this week? I figured I'm going to give some love to the crew at the Maniac Agenda with uh, Serge Tankian's Figure It Out remix, and um, we'll see what we use for next week. Until then, I'm Rich. You've heard MTR 167. Peace.
up, let's figure it out. Let's figure it out.